Matt Hayden, the master, or I guess today, it's uh, in today's world, it's uh, Detective Mr. Hayden, right? Yeah, yep, that's uh, what it is nowadays, I guess. Is that what people call you then, Detective Hayden? Uh, well, yeah, at work. You know, if someone's calling, uh, that's what I um, refer myself to. Um, I'm, I'm a corporal. Um, technically, I'm a corporal, but... Uh, the position I'm in now is um, detective. How long? Uh, how long have you been doing that now, Matt? Um, let's see. I quit. Uh, it's probably been about almost 14 years now. So you went from racing uh, straight to it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I, I took a year. I'm trying to get into uh, police academy. Um, I was working the croupie for a bit. Um, and racing on and off, but. Um, I was attempting to get into any sort of academy to uh, get hired. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, it was uh, about a year, year and a half in between um, Troopy and, uh, and getting a, a job as, as in law enforcement. Oh, nice. All right. I guess we can, uh, we'll get more into that. I guess let's start at the, uh, the start of your career then. So yeah, when did you start? How did you find it? You know, local scene at the start. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, luckily enough for me, I, uh, was born and raised in Azusa, California. So, um, we had a, a pretty decent, um, local scene up at Azusa, the Canyon, they, uh, the Eagles Lodge had a really nice track with all the pros and all the, um, top amateurs, it was sort of like how orange was back in the day. Um, but a little earlier version, um, everyone would come out and, uh, ride there. And uh, luckily enough for me, my dad, uh, I guess he knew the track was up there. He ended up buying a couple of magazines, um, like BMX Action magazines, and uh, I showed a liking to it. He bought me a red line the very next Christmas, and it was off. I was at the track uh, right away, if I remember correctly. What year was that, Matt? Uh, that was 1980. Oh, wow. Um, 79 into 80, um, I went up to Azusa, I um, won my first three back then, and was a uh, beginner, novice, expert, and uh, you only had to race three, you had to win three uh, first places to move up to novice, and uh, I won my first three um, beginner races, and it was, it was I, I enjoyed it from the very beginning, it wasn't uh, something that I regret it at all. Yeah. Well, so when did you like first, you know, go expert and I guess, you know, kind of first couple of teams you rode for before you kind of went factory? Um, I, so like I said, I, I jumped pretty fast up to expert and then screeching halt, um, because lo and behold, the other, the, the, the track that I raced at, the, the local hotshot was Jason Jensen. So oh, wow. he was smoking at the time. He was smoking everybody. He was in every magazine. He was, you know, you, you know, yeah. He was the, he was, he was a pro, but he was ten years old, and you know, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got so much attention, um, and you, he was just killing. He would start backwards up there when I first got into expert, and he'd give us all head starts, and <laughs> you know, but uh, I kept on it. I kept getting um, faster and uh, bigger. Um, pretty soon. Um, he has work cut out for him. 
I got uh, sponsored by uh, a local Monrovia Schwinn cyclery that started sending me some 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 little races here and there. And my very first, I believe my very first national win, um, I ended up beating Jason at um, the Jocks and Jags 500. Um, I think I was 10, 10. I think it was like 10 expert. I mean, it was a shock, but uh, it happened. And once that um, once that happened, I was I, I proved to myself that I was good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, then I started to move on. Bandita was my very first factory, um, ride. Um, I think they picked me up around, um, maybe, uh, maybe 11 expert. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, that was it. I just, uh, I think I spent a year on, uh, them for about, so it was 12, maybe 13, and then GHP, um, Greg Hill's very first team um, wanted to pick me up, um, which, you know, I went, I went on them as a 12, I think I was 12, 13 or something. I don't, I don't remember the, the years. Mm-hmm. What kind of a like, because that's when, you know, you started to kind of, at least on my radar in the magazine, seeing you on GHP. Um what kind of deal was you like getting at that kind of, was that just like all expenses go to many nationals as you want or were you guys actually making money back then? I know, I know I'm sure you'll t- tell us as we go on, on into more of the uh, Diamondback and um, free agent days, but how, how was the kind of deal with GHP? Um, so Bandito was strictly, um, you know, we drove to all the races. You get in the van or you get in the, the, the someone's trailer and, you know, GHP. J.D. Finney, I believe, was my teammate at the time, and his dad was the team manager. So we get in their rig with Tinker Juarez. I mean, that's when, you know, pros that travel with the guys, you know, you go on tour. It wasn't uncommon to spend weeks on end with these guys to go to races. You know, that's how they mm-hmm. save money. Um, so back then, you know, it was strictly entry fees, and you were stoked to get, you know, all kinds of free goodies. Uh, you know, as a 10, 11-year-old kid, that that was you know the ultimate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got into GH GHP. Greg used more, you know, factory. He you know spending a little bit more money. Um, he would, you know, you'd get a little bit more flights. He would still drive. You'd spend a week in the Floridas, um, you know, going from race to race, or you'd drive from here to there. But uh, you were flying a little bit more. Um, your team was a little bit more pro, and uh, they paid for food expenses a little bit more than maybe bandito did but um other than that i didn't you know no contingencies for for me at least um i'm sure charlie williams or the older amateurs at the time that was um on my team they might have been getting something but uh like i said i was 12 13 year old kid um i wasn't you know my, my, my dad was probably just happy that he didn't have to fork over entry fees for the races at that point so we took whatever Mm-hmm. who was some of uh was you like racing people like eric carter and stuff straight away back then or would it take a while before you kind of you guys kind of linked up or there was some of the other guys you know uh, in the socal scene uh, i guess yeah i mean you'd see um eric started about the same time i did maybe a little bit sooner i didn't really um you know know him as well until he got uh, up to the free agent days uh free agent uh years but being in the Southern California area, you'll see, you know, every everyone was there. You know, a lot of the 
higher end guys were from that area. So you'd have like Colin Ann, who was there, you know, from the get go. And um, Lonnie Tatton was a really big local kid uh, back in the day. Um, obviously, like Pavlovsky and mm-hmm. Steve Diller. Na- names that you can just, you could throw out hundreds of names. They would always be around. But yeah, back then, you know, obviously, you know, it's well published in the magazine. Derek Carter was, you know, Steve Veltman were my main. You know, those were the guys that I wanted to be week in and week out because they were, you know, top class. You know, they were the top guys in our class at the time. So, mm-hmm. and then you know, Steve was, you know, factory. Eric was factory, and they would be at, we'd be at every race together. So, you know, you end up fighting those guys every weekend and um, getting to know them as, you know, really as friends. You know, you, you although you want to beat them so badly, you know they're super cool guys so yeah like you can't you can't hate on a guy even though you want to beat him so badly you know but you you get to know him they're like dude this guy's like super chill and cool uh, you know so that was the difference between uh you know my relationship with like eric you know we used to hate racing each other i don't i can't speak for him but i used to hate racing him he's <laughs> just if he's behind me it was like dude like Again, <laughs> so you know, but you know, at the end of the day, he's just a, a super cool guy, and you wanna, you don't wanna, you know, talk bad about him, even though he's like taking all your, you feel like he's taking all your wins, mm-hmm. you know, but he he deserves them because he's working, you know, as you know, you, you they, they work just as hard as you do. You can't fault them, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, that, uh, growing up, those were the, you know, at, you know, once it got a little bit, uh, later, orange started to creep up into my orange. Y used to creep up into my, um, realm. So I'd go to orange a little bit more before I would strictly be at Azusa, Monrovia. That would be my area. Those mm-hmm. guys would have to come if they wanted to ride with us, they would have to come out there to us. But Azusa started to fall out. Um, orange started to pick up. Uh, Cole Canyon, then you started to move a little bit further. You get a little different guys like Millie and um, uh, I guess Billy Griggs and those guys were all out at Orange. Um, they weren't too much at Azusa back in the day. Yeah. And at that point, I was I was getting fairly decent in um, you know my class. I, I think I'd won number one MBL at um, in, bo- in both cruiser and class and. Uh, at GHP, and um, I was, you know, top in my class in ABA, but uh, I think I got about that time, 14, 15, um, is when I switched to um, a Diamondback, um, picked me up. How did that go about Um, then, with with leaving GHP and going to Diamondback? um, Their deal was just so much better, Um, and I think Greg... I'm not 100% certain, but I think the GHP program was coming to an end at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Diamondback came, and obviously, uh, I mean, I'm sure you felt it even being over in England. Diamondback was like the dream team, yeah. A big deal. Yeah, so yeah. If, if they come and ask you, hey, we want you to be on your team. You know, you're like, yes. You know, there's you know, there's no thinking about it. So, mm-hmm. um, of course, I jumped at it. Uh, and, you know, 
the reality sets in. It's a, kind of a different realm. Okay, so you're on, say you're on um, GHP. You know, we're not going for Team Trophy as much. Obviously, we want to win, but that's not the main thing. Well, Diamondback, you know, you're you're waiting your class or you're getting bumped down, you know, you, because you're, you're needed for points. So it's a little bit more serious. If you, you know, I got, you know, I learned a real lesson. You know, I, I think, I don't, I can't remember what race was, but it was, you know, some race I did bad and I was in like fourth or fifth and I just sat down, right? And, you know, like, you're like, I, I, I give up on this race. I'm done, I, you know? So mm-hmm. you end up getting eight. Well, I got pulled aside and said, listen, <laughs> you're not doing that again because we need points. You know, it was a little more serious. You know, I, I learned uh, the, the, the team tactics and, and how, how it works. And, you know, you get to travel a little bit more first class. Um, they owned a big uh, facility out there in Camarillo. I remember going there. Um, and Harry, I think he might have been working in the office at the time. He was still the pro, but they gave him they gave him some job in the office just to um, probably keep him busy. Mm-hmm. Uh I showed up and this is, I went down this big old warehouse and it was just filled to the top with boxes on all the way down. And he would, we'd be walking down and he would just be like, what do you, we had a shopping cart. He's like, what do you want? Okay. Oh man. I, Heaven. He was just, just filling stuff. And you're like, you know, right. the reality is you, you look at it and you're like 14 year old kid and you're like, Oh, this is, this is heaven. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, that, that was like a whole different, aspect i mean that's when i learned you know real you know factory what real factory is and how they take care of everybody and you know you get to the races they have your food allowances ready for you um you know the team manager is almost as famous as you are i mean stuff like that it's <laughs> like okay yeah you know we're we're a real we're a real place now um would you guys and, make uh, would you make him money on diamondback the, well me as personally uh the first time i got on diamondback no just um contingency money and i believe maybe photo contingencies uh i am not 100 percent certain again i was maybe 13 14 um but the first time i think uh we were getting um photo contingencies i think is uh, what the amateurs were getting and that's just me i don't know what obviously we had older guys like doug davis and that have been on the team for, you know, probably seven, eight years before me, they probably had a lot cushier of a deal. And I, and if I remember, I was only on that team for, for real short time. I, I switched pretty quickly to a free agent. Um, How come you went to free agent? That. Um, well, I don't think it, to be honest with you, I don't know if it was working out with Dimeback. I don't know if they were completely happy with me. Um, uh, I don't think I got kicked off the team, but, um, it just the the vibe to me. It was it was yeah, and you know you know how I am. I'm I'm a lot more laid back, mm-hmm. even as a kid. Um, it was a little bit more structured and maybe too much at the time for me. But um, I always liked how Yvonne Shoot ran a program, and they had so many cool guys on their team at the time. With like Slavic and um, uh, they had Hamilton and Daly and uh, um, Galen Starlin, kids that I like. You, you see them around and you, you talk to them all the time, and you're like, dude, you guys are having so much fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be part of that. Um, obviously, you go, you're. They don't have the kind of money that Diamondback had. For, you know, from what I can tell as a kid. So, but 
you can tell that they're still taking care of their few people. They're um, sending them to all the races. They're one of the top teams. I mean, obviously they don't have a budget of Diamondback, but they're still winning all the races. They're had a lot of Texas kids that were really cool and really good guys to hang out with. So I was like, I want to be part of that team. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I actually, you know, now that I think about it, I probably I was dropped by Diamondback because I did. I went to S and K. I forgot about that. So I rode for SNK Cyclery, which was a local Azusa bike shop, for like six months. Um, <clears throat> and then I switched to free agent midway through the season because I needed a ride. So they picked me up. Hmm. Diamondback, Diamondback dropped me. Who was the team manager at Diamondback, Harry? Uh, no, I think it was um, maybe Jason Wharton's dad. Okay. Howard, All right. I think, yeah, at the time. At that time, we had Eddie. I think Eddie was the pro. Davis was on the team. Rick Palmer, um, me, um, maybe Brent Romero at the time. I don't know if he quit before then. Um, but they they picked up a couple other kids. I think the Jason Bruton kid was really big at the time, and he was doing really good. Um, and like I said, I wasn't – I was not – performing like I probably should have been. Um, I don't remember, you know, doing all that well for Diamondback, but uh, I know when I got dropped off and I rode for S&K, I, I kind of got, got uh, back on uh, getting more serious and wanting to win a little bit more and doing my training. Like, you know, you get to where you're not training as far because you think you don't need to, but um, it's more it's more of the hunger aspect of it. So once uh, – I did that. I got back on. I got on for the agent, and uh, it was it was a great time. Mm-hmm. Now, being around, you know, uh, GHP with Greg Hill, and obviously Leary and um, King on Diamondback. Were these guys like helping you guys with training and stuff, or mentoring you guys, or just kind of did your own thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, Eddie. You know, he lived in San Diego, so I didn't. You know, Eddie was more teaching about life, right? He he's like. Mm-hmm. I remember Eddie teaching me how to you know, drive properly and how to do this and how to do that. Um, as far as like Harry is concerned, well, uh, to go way back, Harry, um, you know, grew up in Covina, which is the town next, or I don't know if he grew up, but he lived in Covina, which is a town right next to Azusa. So he was always at, he was always at Azusa. He was always at Honda Hills, which is a, a spot that I used to ride at all the time. Mm-hmm. So, I used to see Harry all the time. You know, I used to look up to him. You know, you'd, you'd see him in all the magazines. He'd come out. You'd see him working. You'd write. And, you know, when I was a kid, I used to ride by his house and just just hope he'd be outside, right? <laughs> I was that little kid waiting to bug him because he had a gate in his front yard. And, uh, you know, once I started getting better, um, you know, he used to see me at the uh, – I'm assuming he used to see me at Azusa all the time. And I used to talk to him at Honda Hills. I used to build jumps for him there. You know, because, you know, Harry – you know, wasn't building a lot of jumps at the time because he was working all, you know, he was racing, you know, all nonstop. So we would build all these jumps. He'd come up, he would train up there. Um, it got to where he kind of trusted us and he would allow us to go to his house. We were doing gates with him. He was teaching us, you know, about bike mechanics and all, all this stuff. Um, as far as Greg goes, uh, Greg at the time was, uh, you know, obviously he was a world-class pro. And he was trying to run a team, 
um, he was, he was really cool. And like most, like if I were to say, you know, a real positive thing about BMX is the pros that I grew up, you know, loving and, and wanting to be like, they were all super cool. There was not one dude that I thought this guy was just an a-hole. You know, they would pull you aside. They would, they would talk to you. They'd hang out with you. Um, you know, when I went on tour with Tinker Juarez of all people with Bandito, I mean, he treated us like normal, you know, like he, it was just a normal tour we went on, you know, and he's just like hanging out with the, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old kids for, for weeks on end. We would be staying at YMCA's and I'd go on tour with Harry. Um, he would be cool. Todd Slavic was super cool, man. We would have so much fun on free Asian. I mean, obviously I was a little bit older at the time, but. I mean, he's still like top double A pro, right? And he's just mm-hmm. like, hey, let's go ride down, let's go ride the town tonight, let's go, you know, do something fun, you know. It's like, dude, this, that's how I always wanted to be when I, you know, when I was when I finally became pro, you know. But at the time when we turned pro, we was on a lot of teams and have a lot, of, you know, younger. I didn't have a lot of younger kids. Um, the team mostly I was on as a pro didn't. I was going for team trophy, so. I didn't have a lot of younger kids I could, I mean, you know, help out or loop around with. Um, but, you know, it's just the aspect of these guys just, you know, they, to me, made me feel like um, the sport is family, you know. We're all family. Everyone is together. We're all having fun. It doesn't matter where we come from. Um, you know, we're all in this together. Uh-huh. That's what I thought was so about BMX. What did, um, before, you, before we get into your pro, um, I mean, you as magazine covers, I posted one the other day when, when we put out some questions, you know, you used cover of BMX Plus, BMX Action, Snap Magazine, you know, um, you know, you won the Worlds in Orlando in Cruiser, um, you know, you raced the Worlds in Canada was your first one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I was on Diamondback and the one in Canada. Uh-huh. I didn't race a lot of worlds as an amateur. As an amateur, I, I believe I only raced two worlds. Um, I raced the one in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, and then I raced the one in Florida, like you mentioned. So that was I was more the one in Florida. You know, I, I was uh, an older amateur at the time, so um, that th- those, that was a big national for 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 us. Um, was that a big American. deal? Was that a big deal then for winning cruiser there? I know using the seventeen and over Maine as well. I think you hit the gate. Um, yeah, but winning cruiser was that a big uh, deal or just like like say like another national for you? Uh, no, it was a big deal for me because for me personally, I thought it was a real big deal because that was the first time I really um, got to race um, Europeans, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you go around your back then you didn't have a lot of people coming over a lot of Europeans, Australians, South America. You didn't have a lot of them coming over like they do now, you know, where they're training. So I never got to see anybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get there and you see how everyone, you know, they show up as a group, they're training as a group, they're warming up as a group. And you're like, Oh, these guys are serious. You know, and I got a, I don't know if I told you the story at, um, you know, when we're talking at Oklahoma, but I remember I bought the Beaver in my moto. Right, right. It was a, it wasn't cruiser moto. It was a uh, it was a, just a twenty inch moto, and he was like world class at the time. I didn't know, but I, I guess he won a bunch of worlds, and mm-hmm. he was like the big hot, hot shot in the class. In the you know the 
in the European right. Side, right? So I'm thinking I'm pretty badass at the time. I'm, I'm on free agent. <laughs> I, I feel good, right? I, I'm doing really good at the, at the track. Um, I end up beating him the first moto. Um, we're, it was pretty close. I end up beating him the second moto. And the third moto, the third moto, we were, um, we were uh, close. And uh, I end up going under him in some corner because I, I wanted a perfect, right? Because back then, in NBL, we're always going for perfects. Right. You got, you got to get a perfect score, right? So I pass him. I go across the finish line. I look back, and he's, he gives me the middle finger, right? <laughs> middle finger to me and rides on by. I'm like, wow, this, this guy's serious. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I didn't realize who he was at the time because you don't, you know, if you don't race with these guys, we don't get your guys' magazine. So I don't know who's who. I just know that right. he's got a world. He's got a World 5 on his plate or a World 2 on his plate. He must be pretty good, a World 1, right? Right. So um, at the time, you know, you don't think of it, but you have every – so n- now I know that everyone's there. So I really want to do good because um, I want to prove that we as Americans, we can hold our own, obviously. You know, I do that at every world. I I bunker myself – you know, every world I've ever been to as a world – you know, as a pro – Mm-hmm. I bunker myself in my house. I train my hardest. I put your guys' pictures on the wall. Like, I want to be the top American, right? Um, I, I want to be. You it's know, like Rocky. Want, Rocky. Yeah, yeah. I don't want a guy from England beating me. That's why you wear the jersey. So, you know, back then you don't know everyone at that point. But you know, when we turned pro, when you were a pro, um, you know everybody because you guys all lived here. We all right. So you're like, okay. So back uh, back then, yes, I did want to do good, and I did unfortunately hit the gate in twenty. Um, so I felt I had a pretty good shot at, but that gate, as you know, did you go to that race? I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I went there after a couple of years that, later. That gate was so slow, man. It took forever to fall, and uh, if you get if you get in, amped up at all, um, you were done. Right. So I ended up, ended up winning a cruiser which was a big deal to me. I remember it was my first world title, obviously. And um, um, Carter ended up winning uh, the 20, and which was good because, you know, as Americans, you know, on American soil, you want to do good. So mm-hmm. And the wild, uh, man, and the wild man doubled the class below. So. Oh, yeah. We all have to hear about that, right? Still, <laughs> you didn't know? Still, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> still on his bio card. <laughs> So, um, yeah, no, but it was fun. It was a good, that was a good time back then. And, um, free agent did really good as a team. Um, but yeah, that was my first real European, um, my first real world championships. The one in um, Canada, you, you know, you're just a kid. And, um, at that point, you know, that track was pretty, pretty garbage. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I was just trying to do my best. I think I might've got second or third uh, in one of my classes there. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess so, be- be- before we go into pros, what about being in magazines? I mean, being on covers, was that a big deal to you as well? Or just like, just kind of the norm, you know, you guys all being from SoCal and that? Um, well, for me, uh, I uh, always made it a point to get to know, and I was really lucky in the, uh, in the area I lived at, right? I lived in Azusa. I got to go to all the tra- tracks, but I lived, I lived, really lived up at Haunted Hills. Like mm-hmm. I was there all the time. And as you know, a lot of photo shoots were done up there. Yes. So I always knew 
when Wendy was coming up and Bork, when um, any of the Guyby or uh, John Kerr, anytime I knew one was going up, I went up there. You know, mm-hmm. they needed drinks. Guess what? I went and got them some right down the hill because I wanted to be in the magazine, right? So right. Uh, I tried to make it comfortable for them up there because I, I felt like Honda Hills, even though it was a lot of people helped out up there, I felt like that was my spot, right? right. That's where I went. Um, I wanted people to have fun there. Um, so they did a lot of photo shoots up there and, um, it helps out, man, when you know people and you're able to talk to them and, and, and let them know what's going on. And then they start seeing you grow as a writer. Um, you know, you get these, you get these opportunities that, um, you might not get if you're not talking to them or you're not, you know, they, they just see you out on the track. You're just a helmet, right? You're just a, a kid. Um, but I was able to do that. And I think my, I can't remember what my first cover was, but um, I actually think I might have got one on the ABA magazine um, on SNK was a real big one for me. Um, and then I got number one in Cruiser, and um, BMXA did a, a nice – that one that you put up, that, that one is – they were doing a – Is that at Honda Hills as well? Yeah, that's at Honda Hills. So, yeah, sick cover that is, yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, covers, unless you're Harry Larry or, you know, someone else, that you'd get a lot of covers. They were hard to come by, right? So, oh, hell yeah, you know, yeah. my whole career, you know, I can count them on, you know, one one hand, you know, five, six, seven covers, maybe. Um, those are big, and you know. So, you, you get your first one, and you think, oh, that's super awesome. And then you get one or two more, and, you're, and at that point, for me, um, I was just, I was, I was in full race mode. Um, and, you know, when you get 19, 20, you're traveling all over and, um, you, you, when they come, it's a surprise unless, you know, your sponsor sets it up for you or like my last one I had, I, I believe I was on tour for that was, a, that was a setup, you know, they, they, they paid for it, you know, that's, but if, if it's something like you're racing and they put something on there, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that's real, um, authentic, um, that's cool to me. So well, I mean, you got some great covers, as I say, from from back then to the yeah the Snap covers as well. And I think you got a yeah. um, you got an interview in Snap as well. And I think a lot of that is at Honda Hills, but there's some good pictures of you. Um, yeah, from that, so many so many great shots. That's good advice today as well. I actually say that to the kids on our, our junior team. I know it's a little bit different now because there's not magazines at the races, but I always you know, tell him, and I haven't for the last couple of years, hey, go out and say hi to Jerry Landrum and, and uh, you know, just say, see what he looks like and introduce yourself. And, um, yeah, I think that's uh, good advice from even way back then. And it's definitely a way to uh, stand out a little bit when them guys are shooting pictures all day if they actually do know you and they've met you, you know, so. Oh, yeah, and, and, and for us, you know, even, you know, I mean, you, you, you know that back when we were pro, you got photo contingency, right? Okay, you know. I built that into my contract because I knew that I have a good relationship with a lot of mm-hmm. you know, the photographers. So if I'm doing all right at the races, more than likely, because back then there was the magazines and they put, you know, unfortunately they put mostly pro pictures in. So mm-hmm. if you're doing good, you're able to get some shots. You can get five, six, seven, eight hundred or thousand dollars. Um, so for me, it's very beneficial to get to know these guys, be really friendly with them, and, and they're, and to be honest with you, they're super cool people. They're just like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a big fam. Back then, it was a big family. 
you know, they're at every race, you're at every race, you're talking to them, you're hanging out with them, um, and you, you know, you, you build a, a relationship with them. Um, they might be willing to put uh, you in a, in a magazine or even on a cover uh, based on, um, you know, your, your relationship with them. If, if, if that helps me, then I did my job. Um, so, yeah, it was no. cool. It was a good time. Absolutely. I remember, uh, I remember smacking into uh, Spike Jones uh, at Pittsburgh and not and breaking his camera one time. <laughs> it felt terrible. But, you know, you get to know these people, like Spike Jones, you know, obviously everyone knows him. Yeah, he's, yeah. He used to be a photographer, you know. He used to be at all the races, South Park. You know, he was real close to a jump, and I, I don't know, I think I hit Veltman or somebody, and it baked me off right to the left, and I just just killed him his friend camera went flying i felt terrible but yeah i mean that's you know the relationship you have with these people you're able to you know i, I helped them up i picked them up i felt bad about his camera i was like dude i can't <laughs> believe i did that i'm sorry you know but that's how it is um and even the new you know today i'm sure it's the same thing you're, there's photographers everywhere you just got to get to know them yes yes no it's definitely uh like i say good good advice good advice there what uh you said about uh, yeah, showing your face and saying hi to those guys. Um, take us about the first couple of years pro then. So you went pro, using the Terrible 10, right? I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember you in the picture for that. Um, and then yeah. after free agent, right, you probably went pro, right? Well, no, I went, um, I left free agent, which was, uh, I went to Diamondback a second time. So Harry started a second team. Um, I remember that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so basically, um, they picked up the second team. Um, they started over with, I think, uh, a, a bunch of bunch of amateurs, including myself. They they the deal was, hey, we want you to you're going to race one year as an amateur, and then you're going to be our pro, mm -hmm. right? Um, so Eddie was on the team at the time. He was the pro. I came in as, I don't know if I was 18, it might have been 18. So I stayed an extra year where Carter and those guys decided they wanted to leave. I stayed one more year. Um, I got a deal. I might have been 17 or 18 at the time. So I, I signed a contract as an amateur. Um, Eddie was the pro. They, hi they hired Townsend as a second pro. Um, and then I raced a, a full year. Um, where I got NBL number one, and then I was up for the ABA title. All I had to do was make the main, and I some guy some guy fell in front of me in the quarter, and I lost out. But um, that year, I made a lot of money as an amateur. Uh, my deal was uh, contingency. I had I had, every, I had everything, and um, at some point, at some races, I was even making more than Chuck. Wow. He was. Make, he was he was getting angry at me because <laughs> uh, we, we ended up, we ended up, uh, when the team wasn't going, we'd end up going together at races. So it was almost like I was a pro at the time, but, mm -hmm. um, Chuck was the real pro. Uh, I was just tagging along with him. Um, so we got to hang out a lot, um, at that time. Um, and then I turned pro might've been 19, 20, um, and Chuck stayed on the team and, um, we just, we traveled around, uh, as a two man team. And I think, um, 
I wasn't doing very good. I thought I was, I thought I was going to do a lot better than I did. I, I don't know. Um, the pro class at, at that time, I was just getting spanked really bad. Um, so I spent a year on Diamondback and then, um, they bailed out. Um, I guess, uh, I think they dropped the program at the time and then I decided to quit. So I made a mistake of quitting for one year, one, uh, just one year total. I just, I went back to school. I tried to play football. I got two jobs and I was miserable, <laughs> absolutely miserable. Um, so at the, at the time when I should have been, um, at the top, you know, training and, 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 and building a, 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 you know, some sort of expertise in, in, in the pro class, I took it off. I, I, I don't know why I did that, but I did. It was a big mistake. Um, it took me a good two years to get back. I think so, we, I think we uh, raced each other. Before, before that, I remember you actually came to Europe. You came to the 90... 1990 worlds in france uh when you was on diamond back so um oh yeah, yeah i yeah. think i think yeah. you got third or fourth behind um uh, pistol one uh then eric minosi then there was like you and carter uh was in there as yeah. well do you remember much about that yeah i think i got uh second or third i can't remember mm -hmm. Did they consider that a world? I, I don't. I yeah, no, it was. It was. It was kind of. It was small because there was. We was all racing. Super, there wasn't a pro class in 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 Europe at the time. We all raced super class. So the Dutch, the French. It was always super class, which was our class. And then you guys came for the worlds. Probably only like you know, as you probably remember, about eight, ten, double A pros from America. So the yeah. European guys, yeah. most of us stayed in super class, but a couple guys. Uh, branched out uh, a couple of the French guys, Xavier and Claude. Um, it was basically just uh, the French guys, I think. Xavier, Redouard, Claude Villemont, and Eric Minosi went pro yeah. to make, I think, just so there's a couple of motos for you guys. So, so yeah, it was small, but still, I mean, I've seen the video and uh, I was there, and you guys, it was still pretty, you know, the, the guys in the main was, was pretty legit. So, yeah, and it was, yeah, it was, it was a title on the line, you know, so still, uh, still legit. It was tough. Now it was uh it wasn't UCI based though, right? It was still uh, IBMXF like, then, yeah. It was still IBMXF. So, okay, yeah. I, I mean that that was uh, that was um, the year that I was racing for Diamondback. Might have been a year. Yes, and a half. no. I I found a picture out from that as well. Yeah, you were still on Diamondback. I, I was there, um, and I can't I can't remember if I got I know P one. I just can't remember if I got second or third. I I thought. Um, I thought I got second, but I might have got third. I think you might have been. You could have, you could have got you, you, in a couple of the mains. I, I watched. You did get second or third, and uh, yeah, it's like yeah. you, Minosi, and uh, Eric Carter, oh, like you know, Carter, yeah, Carter Rackens at the time. I think Pistol was running for Van. Yes, exactly. We had the Dalmatian look, you know, on the on yeah. the back, you know. So I think I think that that was uh, so. I ra I raced that. Um, I ended up getting a podium. And then I did, uh, I, 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 Diamondback dropped me and then, um, I took a year off. Um, and then at about, I think I was 21, 20, maybe 22. I decided, Hey, this, this working for a living isn't for me. So I went back and I kind of called some strings and seeing who I could get a ride from. And I, uh, Bill, Bill Grad, um, Took me up with uh, a ride for 
think I was running for captain. I raced, I raced you. It might have even been one of the first races you come back. I was single A, and I think we raced in Reno. I think you might have been with Bill or Privateer. It could have been one of your first races back, I remember. I think you, you went back to Yeah. Hour, you know, so. Yeah, Bill, Bill completely helped me out. He's like, yeah, I'll get, you know, we might not have a sponsor, but we'll get you some races, and we'll, you know, at that point, I was like, you know what, I'm going to come back. I know I have a base that I can compete here, so let me get back in shape. And then we'll see what I can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, it took me a good two years to be back and ready um, to where I felt I could compete and, and get in the mains um, on a regular basis. So at that point, I was going back. And I think I rode for Boss for a little bit, Captain for a little bit. Um, Bill started his his program with me and John. We rode... SM Challenger. Um, so we wrote. So now I have purse on. This is the first time I really had purse uh, or knew knew of purse. I mean, I've I've seen him around and I've saw how good he was, but you know, you never really. I've never really. I never really talked to the guy. So, mm-hmm. um, so now I get him on the team. I get with him on on. Uh, Bill's team, and uh, now we're able to travel a little bit. Obviously, we, we got a budget, and Bill couldn't afford a lot of stuff, so I was just going from race to race, whatever I could, um, on, a, on a limited budget. Um, I think I ended up getting top 10 pro or something um, that year, that second year back. Um, and then I think I got picked up by... Balance? Balance, yep. Mm-hmm. So now Harry comes back into play again. Um, I've always had, I've kept my connection with Harry. Um, he is now running the balance team where he has already got Mike King as his pro slash mountain bike guy. Um, and I think he might add Greg Hill as his, um, maybe he's vet pro or Greg might've been double A at the time. I'm not concerned, but he picks up John and then he picks up me. And then now we have a three-man team of me, a four-man team of me, him, me, Harry, Purse, and uh, Kill. Okay. I believe King might have King might have went on to GH or to GT at the, at the time because he was doing really good in mountain bikes. So I, I think, think he, that's when I he, think he won the mountain bike worlds on balance, and then he went to GT. So that'd be yeah, about ninety-three. So I never really raced with him on balance. Um, on on the same team, he was he was gone when I got there. Mm-hmm. So now we're you know balance, and I, I feel like balance the balance years um, were when I was doing you know the the best. Uh, I might have been twenty was it ninety? When was that video you put out? Was that ninety four? That was ninety four. So yeah, so that was that's going to ask you. So you was you starting to make some money then? Obviously, you was hitting winning races and uh, yeah. He was uh, yeah, on a good 90, team. 90, 94, 95 was when I felt like I was really um, doing my best. So I would have been, I would have been 24, 25 years old. Um, so, yeah, I was, uh, I think I got number two um, in ABA that year. And I got second to Danny at the Worlds. Let's talk about that a little bit then. So for the ones who haven't seen it, um, you know, Waterford Oaks, first, uh, not first, but, uh, you know, World Championships in the 
US 94. I know there was, uh, we all came over, the Australians were there. It was kind of like the real first world, I, I think, where we all got to, uh, you know, like say, all, all, all both all sides of the world, really, like say the Aussies, the Europeans, and you guys, where we're all maybe we'd kind of caught up a little bit to a little bit of your level. And I know there's over 100 riders there. It's a tough, tough race for sure, even even to make the main. Um, so yeah, tell us about that. You was, uh, tell us a little bit about your day and uh, heading into the final. Then we'll talk about that showdown with uh, Thunder. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that weekend was, um, so me and Purse are on balance. Um, we're both feeling good. He's looking really good in practice. I feel really good in practice uh, on maybe Thursday, if whatever it was. I felt like unbeatable in practice, right? That's Sometimes you get like that, you're like, dude, I'm mm-hmm. feeling so good. But then the next day, you're just burnt out because you blew it all out in practice. Right. right? So, on Friday and Saturday, you know, during qualifiers, I'm, I'm thinking, I don't feel as good. These guys are now pulling me. You know, you know, on Thursday, I was king of the world, man. I couldn't, right. you know, I was pulling out fellas out of the gate, and, you know, you feel really good. So I, I don't know if I, you know, worked worked too hard on, on practice. But anyways, um, long story short, we go through, you know, motos. Like you said, there's just a crap ton of pros there. There's so many. Um and we get into we might have we might have eights or sixteenths up there. Um, I had uh, I don't know if it was the eighth or a quarter, but every single one of the guys in there had all been a world champion or were world champion at the time. I had uh, Thunder Dan, I had Boss, I had you know I had I had, not Thunder Dan, I had Ellis Carter. I was in that you know, quarter. No, no, no. I I, I remember. Yeah, I, it was everyone. Yes, yes. Wilco Grunendahl. It was the quarters. Wilco Grundell, who was the world champion a couple of years before that. There was Ellis, you, Eric Carter, me, um, yeah, two other really good riders. Yeah, that, I remember, part, yeah. that was where there was some bumping going on. Ellis got hit or something yes, on the track. Yes, yes. Barely missed. He tried to, you know, so we go into a quarter, just to, and there was some sort of tangle up in one of the corners. And Ellis is in the way of me, and I'm trying to go around him. And you can see he's, like, sticking his elbow in his handlebar right, right to, to, to try to knock me off the track. Luckily, I barely skimmed my leathers, and I was able to go around him and mm-hmm. end up qualifying out of that quarter. Yes. Um, but, yeah, some big guys didn't make it out of that quarter, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get into the semi. I, I had no problems. I made it into the main. I'm at, I think I was second or third or fourth. I think I was second or third in the semi. And then main time comes around, and um, yeah, this is, you know, I always think about this in my head because it, it's a, it was a big point in my career. I, I feel I, I, if it was a, something I could have done differently, I, I would have. That, that was something I would have changed. Um, so Danny obviously gets the whole shot. I fall into second place, um, and there was a tabletop into what was it, like fourth corner. Was one, two, like the fourth, like bowl corner. Yes. And I hit it really good all day. I was yanking it and pulling it, and I coming out of the corner before that, I knew I was going to set Danny up because I knew that he would go. He would go. Once he come, it was almost like an S turn. He'd come out and then he was going to go wide. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm, I'm just going to carve this inside of this corner. I'm going to hit this um, tabletop like I've been doing all day and just go on the inside and, and pass him. Mm-hmm. Well, I I bonked it. 
Right. Shot me into shot me into the infield. Not enough to where I was like cutting the track, but I was hitting grass, right? And right. I'm thinking if I hit Danny right now and we fall, not only do I take out an American and we fall. Oh, you're still on the American you're still on the American thing, are you doing it for the team USA? Yeah. Even in the main. All this, <laughs> and this is the thing. All these, all these shit's going through my head, right? Mm -hmm. This is like seconds because it felt like it's slow motion. Right. So, and then I thought, well, like if I complete this move, am I going to get DQ'd because right. I cut the infield? Because I, you know, I don't know if I cut the infield, but it's close enough. I thought, you know, someone has pretty good, you know, complaint if I pass him here. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just gave him a little bit of a bump, a tiny one, uh -huh. and just let him go. And to this day, I felt like I feel like I should have just followed through with the move mm -hmm. and tried to just hold him off, but I didn't. And he ended up getting world title. I got second. You know, it's something. It's it's, it's a what if that you think about it's, it. You know, it's something that you know. Anytime I see a video of it, or you know, it always haunts me. And I think, geez, man, I, you know, being a world champ would have been super awesome at that time. And I was really doing good that, that year, those, those, those two years. And I thought, I felt like I deserved it, um, but it just wasn't meant to be. Did you so, and Thunder ever talk about it? No, no. I never actually, I never actually talked about it to him. And I'm sure, you know, he's, you know, probably doesn't think about it too much because he <laughs> won. But I, I, you know, I watched the video and if I would have just got over that tabletop clean, it would have been, right. I, it would have been, I wouldn't have balked it. I wouldn't have slowed down. I wouldn't have gotten into it. I think I would have passed it pretty easily, but it's all, you know, just, you know, it's just how it, how it worked out, man. Yeah. So that, that was, a, you know, to me, and I've always prided myself in my career of being, um, I mean, I'm not the most, I'm not, I don't, I didn't win a lot, but I was very consistent. Um, I was, uh, you know, to me, being on the podium at the World Championship, although I didn't win, that made me, it makes me feel good about my career. I had a lot of podiums at the World Championship. And you had two more podiums uh, even after that. You got third place yeah. in a, a stacked main in Canada in 97, which was uh, the obviously the famous one where um, Jackal um, passed Romero down the last straight and uh you got fourth i watched the video you passed Allier, i think in the last corner and uh yeah and then you got a cruiser yeah. podium as well so yeah tell us a little bit about the canada worlds i mean you were you was happy with third right oh man i was stoked if you see on the finish line i'm doing <laughs> you know, i'm 20 i'm 27 at the time and 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 you know i i my career's coming to an end right i i know that we was in the same moto I, me and you were in the same moto yeah yeah it was i mean you know, like 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 at that point you know, I'm, I'm coming to an end. We got a lot of the younger guys coming from all different parts of the country. The, the, you know, the talent pool is building, right? There's so many good guys at that point. Mm -hmm. And I'm just struggling, you know, to keep, keep a job, stay, stay relevant. Um, you know, I'm training as, as hard as I can. I have kids at the time, you know, at that point I've had, I had two kids. Um, and, I knew that I trained hard enough to do good. And, and for me, um, my whole career, if I had, if I had time to train and I had time to get hungry and I did good, if you look at my career when I, 
ABA Grands, NBL Grands, not so much NBL Grands, but all, all the bigger races, all the big California races, I was competing really, really good there. And, you know, my problem was, you know, the um, Little Rock, Arkansas, the Reno, that, you know, for mm-hmm. me, staying, staying competitive a whole year, you know, you know, 30 races, when I started getting older, that was a, that was a problem I had. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just had some, you know, the family and the kids and all other stuff going on that I couldn't just keep it just BMX. Um, and which everybody so, else was really I, doing as well at the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So when I was at the Canada race, I felt, well, this will probably be one of my last worlds. Um, you know, but I, I trained super hard. Um, I felt I felt good on the track all weekend, um, but like you said, it was it was packed, and I just felt uh, I felt good just getting into that main. Obviously, um, mm-hmm. so when I ended up getting third, and I know probably all yeah, probably after I bumped him, he gave up because he's less like uh, I wanted to win, so I'm I don't care if I don't win. <laughs> but you know, I I made that move in the last corner to get that third. Um, you know that that you know obviously that made me feel good because. I feel like I've at every world I've been at, I've competed um, and had some pretty good podiums. Um, so that was a good one. And then I think you're talking about the world and Australia, Australia, Australia. Yeah. Which was nine, a year later in 98. Um, yeah. I got second in, in cruiser yeah. and you got third. So we raced, we raced yeah, each other there. I, yeah, I, I, Christoph. I, I raced cruiser that year. Um, and I don't norm at that point in my career I wasn't racing cruiser a lot, but I think I picked up the cruiser um, because I, I wanted to make um, you know some extra money, and I knew <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to build another class, so I started racing cruiser because I was always good on cruiser when I was younger. Right. Um, and I, I kind of beat myself up on why I didn't stay in cruiser to try to get some titles in pro class. Um, to you know, but at that point I was just focused on double A. And I ditched the cruiser, but uh, I think the last couple of years I uh, picked up the cruiser again and started riding. So, anyways, I go we go to Australia. Um, I don't do very good in twenty, but I did get uh, you know I, I I made it through all the qualifiers and ended up getting uh, third behind you and I think Christoph, right? Christoph got first. Yeah, Christoph won. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, that was that was a good. Thing. You know, I was. At that point, I was 28 now, so that's a year yet year later. You know, I'm getting closer to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I rode. I think I rode for Redline now. So now I was on Redline. I think. So the year before, I was on Trek Gary Fisher. Um, I think when you got third, I, you was on Torker. Uh, that's right, Torker. Yeah. 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 So um, was that Torker at? Uh, Canada? I think, uh, not a, no, Canada, you was no, no. Uh, Gary Fisher, but I think Australia, yeah. the year later, you was on Torca, I, I think. Yeah, Seattle Bike Supplies, uh, picked me, uh, it, for sure I was on uh, Torca because um, their, their rep, the Australian reps sent us over there, so the Australian Redline reps sent uh, the Redline and Torca guy over there, so we, we went with them. Uh, so I do remember, so I was on Torca at... Um, in Australia, mm-hmm. so yeah, that was that was that was a good time. I mean, uh, obviously, it's always good to get a podium uh, at a Worlds. You know, you obviously you like to win, but um, you know, 
and, didn't work out. and yeah, I know we spoke about it before when we did a little, 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 little interview at the grounds, but you actually didn't show up for the podium, did you? No, no. Um, so um, I guess they decided, and you could probably you have better memory than I. They decided they weren't going to pay us. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not going to pay Pro Cruiser. So, and me, I know Christoph took a lot of heat for, it, but I, I obviously didn't. I'm like, screw that. <laughs> okay, so if you're not, not going to pay me, I'm not going to go up there and, you know, do your, uh, you know, your podium. The podium deal where they, they get everyone up there. You got the uh, UCI representatives, and it's like, okay, well, you decided that we're not that important. Right. So I'm going to – and I think we had talked about it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. The group, I don't know as a group, but I know me and Christoph talked about it. Right. And I, I don't know if we're like, hey, we're just not going to show up for this. Right. And so I just went home. Right. right. I, went, I went back to the hotel not thinking anything. I thought, oh, it's not going to be a big deal because at that point, an ABA, like if you're an ABA guy or an NBL guy, or a, more, I was more of an ABA guy. You don't, you don't think UCI has no power over you. You're like, mm-hmm. I don't care what UCI can, I can give a <laughs> crap what they think about me or what they have, they can't do nothing to me, right? Cause right. What are they going to say? I can't go to the next world that I probably wouldn't go to anyway. Um, <laughs> so at that point, I left. But yeah. you know, Christoph obviously, he's from France. They have UCI's big you know, over there, there's, you know, they have some power mm-hmm. over what, so apparently they gave him a whole heap of crap before it. And I was, I was shocked um, <laughs> when I heard the next day that he had to apologize or something. Like that. So, but yeah, that's funny. That was, it was, it was funny to me. Well, I've actually, you know, when I was back home in England over Christmas, I was going through some old footage on some tapes and like ripping some stuff off and put it in some files. So I actually do have um and my excuse for going to the podium was gt sponsored that race so um oh, yeah. so i've actually got footage of me on the podium on my own in second place so it's pretty <laughs> funny <laughs> and everyone's like third place um, I'll, I'll post it at some point it's like third place matt hayden second place you know dear Holmes, first place christophe levesque and then everyone's there shouting for you two and i'm just sitting there like a, a kook you know on the on the podium so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll post yeah, that I mean, at some point. I don't, I don't fault anyone for going. I didn't. There was right. no deal for I was just. I just thought, like, you know, right. I wasn't going to go because making a point on myself. Right. Like, hey, you guys, are, you guys treat us like kids, man. It's like, and I don't. And I don't even think they warned us. I think that it was just right. we showed up and they said they, you know, they said, oh, you guys aren't going to get paid. If I remember correctly. I don't yeah, know. and even when if they did got- start in paying after it was cruiser money was always pitiful. You know, it was like a, you know, two hundred bucks yeah. for winning something and a hundred riders. You know, so it was always a scam um, on their side. You know, so yeah, it was. No, no. So yeah, uh, that was my. I believe that might have been my last world, unless uh, it was the was the Louisville Louisville one after that. Yes, that was two thousand one. I think you might have been about retired then, right? Yeah, I, I did go to it, but I was uh, done. I was done at that point. I think that would have been my last year. Mm-hmm. I do remember going to it. It was the mud, mud bog race, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, Bo- yeah. Boggy. Indoor, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember it, and they had a meeting on the pro jump or something. I don't know. I, right. At that point, I was. <laughs> uh, at that point, I was kind of done. Uh, I, I wasn't real competitive, um, but I was just going to finish out my contract. I think. Um, Mm-hmm. So, well, let's let's just before so we move in, before we move into the because we've got loads of questions. I want to blitz through a bunch, but last thing I wanted okay. to I wanted to touch on. We talked about it when I saw you at the Grands um, Hall of Fame. So, 
Okay. Let's touch on that. You, for some reason, um, never seem to be on the ballot. So, give us give, well, us, give us your thoughts on that. And um, and I know you don't you're not you're not going to big yourself up, but I will because, like I say, we just talked about it. The stuff you've done through the eight years, you know, magazine star, factory, the titles, winning world championship podiums in different decades. Um, yeah, and obviously, you know, numerous big wins. So. Uh, yeah, t- tell us your uh, your thoughts. Well, well, my 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 personal thought is, and you already said, it, is I, I truth, truthfully don't believe that what I've done belongs in the Hall of Fame. That's just me personally. But to counteract that, based on what the whoever's created the Hall of Fame, what they've done, um, the people they've put in. It's not right. It wouldn't be right if I wasn't in because my career mm-hmm. would be is is better or as just as good or better than a lot of people they have in there at this time. But because they are legends back in the day, you know, they needed someone to put in. They ended up putting them in, and I I, I get it. They've created this mess, um, and so now everyone believes they have an opportunity to get in, right? Because you know, you, you've done something good. You, you've 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 spent a career, twenty years doing something, and you feel like you've done enough. Um, but uh, it's not going to happen for the simple fact of the matter is they only put one guy in a year. Mm-hmm. So every year that goes on, people get forgotten. I, I, I get it. I understand it. Until they change it to where they add people that are qualified, like five years after you retire, you go on the list. Mm-hmm. And you stay on that list until, you know, 20 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Because right now, to be perfectly honest with you, okay, say, for instance, Randy Stumphauser or Bubba Harris or guys that have been, you know, just in the last 10 years have quit or are now retired. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys aren't in yet, but they deserve to be in. Do I think they deserve to be in more than me? Heck, yeah, they deserve to be more than me. But... So where am I gonna? Where would I fall on that? They're gonna keep bumping me, and that's what's gonna happen, and that's what's happened. But um, again, uh, and I'll, I'll just to, to change it up a little bit more. They put in the, the last person they put in. Well, now you've opened up a whole new can because now people that just raced amateurs and had stellar amateur careers mm-hmm. believe they should be in now. So now you have a whole another batch of people that are going to be pissed off and are going to go on the social media saying, why am I not in, um, you know, for, for me, I, I, and I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm not, and this is going to come off as I'm trying to get in. I'm, I'm not, you, you brought it up. Yeah. Um, I've never called anyone or asked anyone to get in the hall of fame because, um, I didn't win any titles. Um, I feel like if to be in the Hall of Fame, you should have some sort of titles. Um, you no, you, you you definitely need to be in there. And I think another uh, a reason, and it's the same with with Thunder as well. And we know Thunder does have every title, but I think because you and Thunder even more so than you, just he's like nobody knows where he is. He just he's just not on social media. He just check, you know, he just, yeah. just moved on with his life. And you are on social media, but you're very quiet. You're not involved in the debates and. You know, yeah. you just like where a lot of us are like, you know, daily and still still in still involved in the industry. So I think that's probably gone against you a little bit as well. And that's that's my yeah. view is, you yeah. know. 
and I understand that. And, and, and every year it pops up and every year someone is, you know, promoting someone else. And I'm thinking, okay, well, why, what is the, what is the motive for promoting this guy? I don't, mm-hmm. so to me, if, if people get in, I'm not saying they don't deserve to get in because everyone in there, if they're in, they're in, they were in for a reason they were picked to go in. But I'm saying the criteria that they've made, mm-hmm. they've, they've lowered the criteria. So now, um, yeah, sure as shit. I, I, me, you, Jason Richardson, amateurs, Jeff Skolp, guys that have been now, if you're saying you only need a four or five year career of dominating your age group to get into the class, then mm-hmm. guess what? Then mm-hmm. you open it up to a whole, whole heap of people that think they belong. If you make it an elite group where it shuts people down automatically, they don't have an opportunity to say, ah, I should be in there mm-hmm. because, well, if a guy like Christoph is in there and a guy like Ellis is in there, and then you put in a guy that didn't do half of what they did, well, then you got a, a whole group of people that think they should be in there. But if you leave it at just complete people that dominated for a multiple set of years, 10, 15, 20 years in their specific classes, and then did, you know, the ultimate price of going up to double A and and winning and dominating. Well, then you got a Hall of Famer. Um, mm-hmm. To me, you can't just you can't pick a guy that hasn't done everything right. He hasn't gone, um, you know, he hasn't done his time in amateur and A pro and double A pro and cruiser. Hasn't spent all that time and all this, you know his whole career basically i mean a lot of us spent our whole childhood doing this right because not, not because we want to get a hall of fame because there wasn't one when i started there was no hall of fame right you know i wanted to do, i just wanted to have fun i love the sport i did it for but they opened this hall of fame and they started it and i think they need to change until they change it and maybe like uh, some of these other hall of fames where if you have people that are eligible and maybe there's more than one you put two in. You don't need to put yeah. one in. Well, I think you, one girl. I think it's going to be. Different. Go ahead. It's going to be tough. You know, it seems like they're moving into the nineties a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, again, I didn't follow the eighties. You know, who should be in and who shouldn't. But I just through what I you know followed and and and, and racing you guys. I always you know obviously my always think is you and Thunder seems like that because you guys were 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 badass. I mean, Thunder was a badass amateur as you was. Oh yeah. You? magazine guys and you was you was early 90s you guys were winning stuff you know so um well yeah thunder most definitely deserves to be in thunder does um freaking stumpy deserves to be in um uh, well i think uh, when you like say if you're moving into the 90s and you then you can you've got people like you know uh brian foster wild man robbie miranda neil wood that was you know, just all round good. I mean, we were racers, but they yeah. was, was was like personalities, and obviously Robbie and uh, you know X Games, Brandon Meadows, people that could do, and then obviously Brian on a whole nother level with with dirt jumping as well. So it's really going to be um, be be yeah. Uh, well, you got interesting, you know. You got Kyle Bennett. You, you, there's and that's the thing, and that's why you know, these this list keeps growing, right? Every mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Someone quit. So this is going to keep growing. So now you have 15, 20, 25 people getting in, right? Mm-hmm. So where do I, where do, where do we fall in that? We fall in now. We're behind one other guy. So you know, like you said, I'm out of sight, out of mind. So mm-hmm. I'm falling behind, and I understand that. I'm not 
promoting myself. I, I, I never would, but that's just how it goes. So for me, you know, unless I, you know, go to the Hall of Fame meetings or I'm at the Hall of Fame banquets or I'm mm-hmm. going to the races, trying to, uh, you know, no one's going to remember right. what happened. And, and I understand that. Uh, and I get it. Uh, there's a lot of guys that deserve it more than me at this point now because they've had a lot of guys that have, you know, I've gotten, you know, they threw my name out a few times a few years back. And, you know, a lot of guys I raced with got, got into the hall of fame and well-deserved every single one of those guys deserved to be in there. Um, the last five or six, you know, real, very well-deserved. They pick, um, but I think they need to figure out a better criteria. Um, they can't have just random people voting in guys. Uh, that's just, mm-hmm. you can't do it. You need to, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I'm not hundred percent certain what the group is that, that picks them, but, uh, I'm, a, I'm assuming, I'm hoping that the, the past recipients should get a, should get a vote. I, I think they do. I think, you know, Eddie King's early up on, on all of it. He's a good guy to talk about it. Like I say, okay. I, I, I don't know from the 80s who's, who's not missing, but my, my views are it's because you and Thunder both crossed over 80s and 90s. I, I think they, they need to wrap up with the 80s guys and the guys like you two guys that, um, yeah, kind of crossed two decades, you know, and, uh. At least yeah. start with that. I don't know if that's called finishing the '80s or moving into the '90s. If that's what they're doing, but again, there's, there might be a lot of '80s guys I don't know because I just not followed it enough. But um, yeah, I'm, but I don't even know everyone that's in to be honest with you. But mm-hmm. um, I just know uh, that uh, the, the and, and the the older guys that, that came in, um, they they had you know obviously they started the sport right. They did they did everything that you know, they created everything that we got to benefit from. Mm-hmm. They didn't keep track of all their stats and who did what and, you know, how many wins this guy had or how many titles. Um, obviously, you knew Stu, you know, dominated and Brent and Brian Patterson. You, know, you knew those guys You knew those guys were top echelon guys, but you didn't know, you know, Byron or John Cruz or uh, I don't know how many wins they've had or, you know, what kind of titles they might have. I don't know. You know, I just know, you know, Daryl Young and those guys, they're, they all are in the Hall of Fame. They're all deserving. Um, I'm assuming they're all in the Hall of Fame, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, but, you know, at this point, back then, you didn't have a big pool to choose from, right? So they needed to pick someone. They they, they picked someone. Now, you got a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. The pool is huge. Yeah, and getting right? bigger. So yeah, yeah. It's difficult, it's difficult for the committee I would assume because now you got decades, right, of people that you are picking from, mm-hmm. and you can only pick one guy. Right. I, mean, I, yeah. I don't. I don't see how that works out, but that's what they've chosen to do. Um, I don't know why they pick one person. You know, if if there's two people that are eligible and he gets the votes, they should have a cutoff point of votes. Here's here's what they do in like the NFL, or you got to vote, right? So votes. If he if he passes this vote total, he goes in, right? He gets he has eighty six vote he has eighty five votes. It's over the seventy five that he needs to get in. Um, and you, you put that guy in, no matter if he's from the eighties or he's you know from the nineties or the two thousands, you know, because guys like us, you know, we're dinosaurs, right? No one, <laughs> you know, the farther we get, the farther no one's going to know what what happened. And again. 
Um, that's I'm not promoting myself. I think you definitely belong. No, um, no, I, I think you guys definitely need to go in as Danny as, belong. Yeah, I think I you think, there's a lot of guys before you move. I mean, I'm mid nineties. There's still a hell of a lot of young, like, say, uh, class you guys that have, have done across two decades in in America, where you know the heart of BMX, like say the with the media on on top of you know you you know awesome amateur careers as well. So there's a lot of guys I think that uh, yeah, you you and Danny always stick stick out for me. And I I actually did I I get a vote, and um, I, I don't know how I get one, but I do. And uh, I, I voted for <laughs> I you. Actually, I voted for you. So. I'll, I'll be honest, I get a vote too. I don't know yeah. how I do. Right. <laughs> every time. And I'm thinking, well, why am, where, you know, where do you guys, where's the list? How do you decide? Because I'm thinking this is going out to every ABM ever, right? Every person. No, it's I'm not. Thinking, well, There's some, I don't know if it's industry or, I don't know. I, again, Eddie King is the guy to talk to. He knows all the, all the details on that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how we get them, but we, but we do. And then, uh, um, uh, yeah, I've always thought, you know, you and Danny are, uh, yeah, as, as it moves into what I know about it, at least, you know, that would be, uh, should be in there first, you know, so I guess, uh, I, I guess. Appreciate, I appreciate that, but I, it, it's never going to happen. Uh, someone else called me on it the other day, or not the other day, probably about a year, a year or two ago. He's like, Hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to go and I'm going to get you in, right? He was someone, he was big. Uh, and I'm like, don't even bother. It's not going to happen <laughs> because it's just too hard, man. There's just too many, there's too many things going on. And the, the people that are the ultimate voters, uh, you know, I don't know. It's maybe, um, they just, they have too many people to look at. And it, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's got to be confusing as heck to, to, it out, but, I don't know if it gets around um, to a round table at the end. They get all the votes. I don't know. Then there's, you know, obviously the USA BMX Shannon yeah. and Gork and them guys sit around the table and get the final say. I don't know. So uh, yeah, that's that's, that's that's a tough uh, tough job, and um, I don't see it changing in the future. So you no, know, you know, it would it be great. Yes, I wouldn't say that it wouldn't be, you know, uh, a, a blessing and something that. Uh, you know, you, you put in all this hard work and you think, okay, well, there's something that, that people actually respected what you did and uh, appreciated everything. Um, but in, in the end, it, it, you know, you you only have your memories and, and what you, mm-hmm. how much fun you had. And, you know, if they don't, if they don't, if I don't get in, it, it doesn't affect, you know, my kids don't even really know anything. <laughs> you know, if, if, I'm dead, and they call, and they're like, oh, we want to put Matt in the Hall of Fame. They wouldn't even know what right. that is, or, right. you know. So I've been so far away from it. I, you know, I still have my bike, and I still go to the track here and there. Um, but I, I don't, you know, I, I don't spend my time, you know, going on the Internet figuring out who's the best pro and the difference between the big hill and the, the, the right, yeah, yeah. you're probably I, smart not not even getting involved in. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. You know, I do see some of them once in a while, and there's you know a lot of uh, there's a lot of people that have very very emotional uh, mm-hmm. ties to it. So it's like, oh man, I'm, yeah, I you're you're right. I, I I'm smart enough to not get involved because I'm not you know <laughs> I only come from a time when hills were flat and uh, jumps were shitty and <laughs> the, the track foggy and bumpy so for me i have no say in it i, I you know i do like watching the, these kids race nowadays it seems like the talent and 
they're so smooth and dude, they live on their back wheels. I, I, I watch them through these rhythm sections. And I'm thinking, God, how do you, how do they do this stuff? Right. Uh, but most of these kids are like, they're brought up on it, but you know, they're, they do stuff that me and you and, you know, even top guys like Brian, you guys that could ride their bikes, they couldn't do stuff like this. They're well, well above the curve. Mm-hmm. Um, than how we were, um, I talk, so. talk, talking of downhill, man, I, I remember even at the end of your career when you was on Talker, you was pretty unbeatable at Cole Canyon on a Tuesday and Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, I used to live out there, man. And that's the problem. You were so good there. I mean, you was, you was an awesome racer, but I remember at Cole Canyon, you you was just like, I mean, yeah. I just see, I just remember that oh. the last couple of years, you know. Yeah, that was my spot, man. And that's the thing with me. Uh I am a creature of habit, right? So <laughs> I don't I don't change my my training. I never have, right? right? Even when I was 27 years old, I'd go to my dad's house. He'd be throwing the gate in the driveway for me, right? I'm doing hundreds of gates a day. So and I'd always have my uh, my routine. I'd go to Cole Cole Cannon every you know Monday, Thursday, Saturday. Right. Every if you want to know where I was, I was there and I was doing. Gates. <laughs> Right. Just like when I was a kid, right? When I was a kid, I'd go up to Azusa, Azusa Canyon. I'd go to Azusa, the BMX track, and I was hard to beat at Azusa. The pros would come out, and I was four, I remember being a 13, 14-year-old kid, and Harry had a tough time with me, man. He couldn't beat me to the first turn. Right. Because um, I was just, you know, I was so focused on this one goal, you know, and so I would always do the same thing over and over. Yeah, Cole Cannon, that was great, but you'd send me somewhere else, and I wasn't all that good. But I had that gate down, and I had the, you know, the jumps down, and you know, I always wanted the Nationals to be there. But you know, when the Nationals come, you 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 think you're going to do so good, but you know, the class steps up a little bit, right? And you're not as you're doing good in practice, but once you get eight guys on the gate, and they're all just as freaking hungry as you are, and they all have been working. You know, it's not the same. So I didn't win every time I went to, you know, every time there was a national call, uh, national call, I didn't win. But, uh, yeah, I was I was pretty good on yeah, that. Yeah, you, you, you had a good gait as well. You was kind of a little bit of a slingshot, right? Just just a little bit. But you just yeah. had good form and yeah. just always good good gaits being, uh, yeah. I felt, like, I felt like my gait was really consistent and it wasn't, like, jerky. So I didn't break a lot of chains. Like, a lot of, I mean, some people, they got a real jerky style and their chains break. Or, mm-hmm. I, I don't. No, I, I, it would take me a long time before a chain would break on me. And, uh, yeah, I did have a pretty consistent gait. I have to admit that. So that's no, I, 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 I studied you. I was, I was having problems around that 90s, 96, 97, like spending more time in America. And I just like, okay, I have a good gait, but I just need a better, a better swing, you know? So I really paid attention to you and Romero and Mikey Hayek had a, a good, a bit more of a slingshot than you, but uh, as did Greg, yeah. you guys still had that kind of good form. And I really, uh, yeah, I remember really, really studying you and uh, yeah, I think yeah. kind of the same thing. I'm not the strongest guy, but just kind of more on the form to, to get a good start, that's, you know? That, that's thousands and thousands of gates, man. I, I can't, you know, kids nowadays, uh, if you have, if you need, if you could tell them anything, um, it's all about just, just a complete dedication to one. If you, if you have a bad gate, if you get a gate at your house or you go to a track and you're having bad gates, if you do your muscle memory, once you get a good, 
uh, a good gate. Once you're, you're right where you need to be, you, you find your, this is the one I need. This is the gate I need. Mm-hmm. I would just, you know, I had a gate at my house and my dad until 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night, he would throw hundreds, hundreds of gates on our back, you know, when we, then we got the timing mechanism and we had the lights and he just pushed the button. But, you know, it started and I mean, I would do thousands and thousands and thousands of gates. I mean, I must've done hundred, 200,000 gates you know, all <laughs> night. And it's, you know, it, it helps people, yeah. you know, it's called muscle memory. We do the same thing in law enforcement. You know, you have a muscle memory, you, you work on something, uh, over and over, and over again, your muscles, uh, they, you know, I can go to the track. I mean, I still go to the track here and there. I'll go to Whittier. And even though they have the new gate that, uh, random the timing gate, mm-hmm. the random group, um, I still have good gates. So I mean, I'm almost 50 and I guarantee if I go out to the gate, the track tonight, uh, I can, I can get out of gates with obviously my second pedal is going to be terrible, but I can get out of gate with, with the, you know, the kids that are there now. I think you um, see that a lot when you see old school guys show up here and there at the tracks and stuff. And even you can look at the eighties guys, sometimes they'll show, but they still have good timing, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. It, 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 that never, that, that never leaves. Um, obviously the jumps are different and it's, you know, change your body doesn't want to do as much as you want it to do, but that as a motion that you can't, you can't fake that motion. It, it, it's with you your whole life. I mean, yeah, no, I agree. I, I actually want to, you know, I want to do. I want to go to the track one one time, at least one time a year, until I'm 55, and I want to. I want to see how it, how it works. How I, how I can go do gates. And so I keep my creepy around just so I can go and um, get the, get the 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 rust off here and there. Yeah, but, that's good. Um, you, that's good. You still do it, Matt. Let's jump into some yeah. of these questions. We've got so many, so maybe we'll do like kind of quick answers, you know, and shout out to some of these people okay. because there's a lot of cool cool questions, a lot of cool people that have commented on this. Uh, Facebook thread. It was like actually 50 comments, but uh, I, I won't ask them all. I'll just kind of breeze through the one. So first one is just kind of a shout out. One of your teammates, Rich Houseman. Um, T- Tony D said, the master, he goes, how much was you paid as an amateur on Diamondback? And well, we did touch a little bit on that. But, uh, well, yeah, I, um, it's an amateur. Well, the second, I didn't get paid. The first time I was on Diamondback, I didn't get paid. But the second time, I think I might have like, a, I think that was, 17 or 18, I think I talked him into like a three or $400 a month salary. And then I got like a pro deal for, um, for contingencies, the first, second, third, like five, three, two or something. Um, and then at, at that point I was winning, uh, cause like I said, Veltman and Carter all left. My class was, it was still hard, but, so I won so many races that year. Five hundred a win I in mean, amateur. Yeah, it class, was, class or open as well. Like everything. Oh it, was my. A pro, it was complete pro deal, dude. It was good. That's yeah. why I was saying Chuck wasn't Chuck wasn't happy with me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Even today, man, that'd be you'd be top three paid BMX rider. <laughs> he, he's working his butt off, right in pro, right. and he's making. The same contingencies, right? And I'm, you know, I'm just having to go through semis or, you know, a quadruple. So you know, <laughs> we go to Memphis, Tennessee, or some place where there's not a lot of good guys. Right. Double, double in both classes. Two G weekends. 
Yeah, so it was it was fun. It was uh, a good time, man. That's cool. So another another one of your another legendary name and one of your former teammates, Galen Stalin. Um, he says, "Hey, Matt." He goes, "What was the magic number to get you out there and open?" Oh, uh, that was. Uh, I think he's referring to me leaving free agent to go to um, Diamondback, which I did, and that, that's the number I just told you. So oh, okay, basically, right. free, free agent free agent wasn't paying. Um, Diamondback offered me that that deal uh, along with, Hey, you're going to be the pro, right? You're going to be, right. You're going to be the next pro with Charles. You two are going to be our pro team. Um, Eddie was retiring at the time. So they're like, okay, well you get to do one year. We want you to do one year, win the titles, the amateur titles and Diamondback, And we're going to move you up to pro. So that was, I, I had the, it was just a way better deal. Um, Free agent was doing fine. They had Kenny May at the time, and they, their whole team was stacked. Um, and I, the, the Cowboy was their pro on free agent. I thought, I, you know, I wasn't going to make as much money. Uh, I'd make more money as Adam back. Obviously, it was a bad decision. It was a good decision financially for one year, but bad decision that Diamondback didn't stick around mm-hmm. as long as I'd hoped. And free agent, you know, was like a family. Uh, I probably should have stayed on them and. Um, stayed with the family portion of it and, and, and became a pro with free agent. But, you know, it was just a decision I had to make at the time. Mm-hmm. All right. A couple more here. We've got, uh, I guess I'll just shout some of these out. They're not all questions. A lot of people just kind of, um, just kind of saying hi and, and, and saying something about you. But Pete, Michael, uh, Chris Morgan, he says, great guy, stellar dude, good family man. Uh, question here from uh, Mike, Mike Wong. He says, uh, what was Matt's reaction to the first time the Trek Gary Fisher Showed him what he was going to be riding. <laughs> oh, it was horrible. That was that was a bad deal. That was another bad decision. Um, but you guys were making really have... making good money, right, on that team? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I was working my ass off because I was the uh, truck driver, right? Uh, I wasn't, even though I was a pro at the time. They they thought more highly of Boots and Kiyomi. <laughs> right. You know, I went. I didn't into, realize you I drove, went... did you? Oh well. Yeah, I, I went into the negotiation like, um, listen, I want to, you know, obviously I, I want to be on this team, but you have, they're like, we already have our two pros. I said, okay, well, here's what I'll do for you. I'll drive this 40-foot ugly banana around the country for you. <laughs> I'll set up canopies, and I'll be the pro for Gary Fisher, right? Mm-hmm. Like, cool. So I set that up, I set that deal for myself, not knowing that they were going to put a fish on the, you know, they're not, they're going to put a fish head on Charles Townsend's body <laughs> and put it on the jersey. But, <laughs> so I didn't know, I didn't know any of this, right? When I signed the deal, I just thought, okay, well, that's cool. We'll have, we'll ride for Gary. I really didn't even know who Gary Fisher was other than he made a mountain bike, right? So, you show like, me the okay, money. Sign me up, right? I'll, I'll drive for you. I've never driven a 40 foot rig before, but Hey, Sign me up. <laughs> so they sign me up. They drop off this giant, ugly, yellow trailer right in front of my house. I have <laughs> no idea how to drive it. Mm. And then we finally start getting the uniform. So I get the uniform. It's hideous, right? It's got <laughs> big Marlin head on top of Charles <laughs> That's on the front of my jersey. I think, oh, this is terrible. They're, everyone's going to laugh at me, right? So I went, I went to him. I said, this is bad. We can't. This is going to be... You're, we're going to be a laughing stock. Mm-hmm. They didn't hear it. They didn't care, right? Because I'm just a driver. I'm not a 
double A pro to them. I'm just a guy that I'm not Wade Boots and Kelly Waller, right? So and then I get the bike, and it's just a you know you saw it. It's yeah, got yeah. No seat. It's, it's, like a scooter, wasn't it? And I'm thinking, well, I signed the deal. I got to suck it up and, and do this thing. As long as it rides, I guess I'll, I'll in a year. I thought to myself, I'm going to prove these guys that I'm better than kill me. And right. So I'm going to, I'm going to earn this ride, and I'm going to get another contract after this, and hopefully be the Trek guy. That right. that was my uh, deal, but uh, it didn't work out that way. I ended up getting second. I ended up winning cruiser second at uh, the ABA Grands that year. Uh, I, actually, I think I did a year as a driver, and then the second year, uh, they changed the logo finally on Jerry Fisher. And then, I don't know if it was 2000, I don't, uh, I don't know if it was 1997 or 8. I think Jamie was in Cruiser. He, he about killed himself. Uh, he was running for Haro. So I won Cruiser, and I got second. Uh, that's the year that Kristoff and John were battling for the title. Okay, I remember I that, yeah. Se- I got I second, 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 and John ended up winning the title, and Christoph, uh was pissed at me for a little bit because he said, uh, what did he say? He said I was... Re- <laughs> He's mad at everybody. I was, I was in the middle of their... their uh, I was in the middle of their title uh, <laughs> chase, and I was ruining it by getting second. <laughs> <laughs> he told you that as well? I'm thinking to myself, I'm just trying to get money here, right? I'm just trying to pay for my family, and I finally am doing good. So I get second, 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 he, and he, he gives me grief on me. Right. Because he lost, obviously, he lost the title uh, because it was between him and John. I yeah, John so I remember the last main. It was down yeah. to the last main between those two. Yeah. So good old Chris I, mean, I, ended up winning, I ended up winning Cruiser, and I lost the Cruiser title to kill me because he ended up getting second or third or something. So that was a good year for me, also. But that's that's also when Gary Fisher dumped they dumped the pro they dumped me in the program. So I was looking for a ride right after that, and I think I got on Torque. I think Veltman blew out his knee, and Torker's like, hey, "We need a pro," and I took the Torker ride. Uh, yeah, Something I like totally that. remember that. Uh, one here from uh, my buddy Cesar. He says, uh, "Best team, free agent or DB? Which team do you prefer?" Oh, free agent for sure. Free agent was. Like a family, man. We we got along so well. I used to live at those guys' house in Texas. I mean, they're just so down to earth guys. I had so much fun there. There's no contest. Best team ever. All right, Ollie Daniels. He said, "What was the most enjoyable bike you have ridden?" Oh man, uh, I would probably say the uh, my Diamondback Reactor. Um, the second time um, I rode for him. I was able to give my um, my concepts to Harry. He kind of made it kind of like how I wanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Diamondback Reactor was probably one of my best bikes that, that I rode that I felt mo- the most comfortable on. Cool. All right, I got one here. Uh, I guess this is more of a shout-out. Doug Ross, he, he messaged me this week. He said he just only found the podcast. This isn't what he wrote. He just says something about uh, he listened to the John Paul Rogers interview and he really liked it he was looking for more um john paul just did one on uh the bmx and our blood podcast so that's a good one to listen to anybody out there those podcasts uh, but anyway doug did message me he said he just discovered all these bmx podcasts and he's been listening to some of the bad so shout out to uh, doug glad you found us uh we've got a question yeah. here from mr greg hill he says uh, how did you quadruple at azusa bmx uh, explain the format of the races 
and uh, who you beat in all four mains? Mm, well, that's uh, I think he got a, he's got him backwards. I quadrupled at um, an ABA race, and I think uh, that was in Fremont. I think he's talking about uh, uh, tripled. He, he picked me up on red line, or not on a red line on GHP, and I ended up tripling. And I didn't realize, but I was like the second guy to ever triple in the NBL, and I thought that was weird because it seemed like it was kind of, you know, nowadays you race cruiser class and open, and it's pretty easy to triple, but I guess back then that wasn't the case. I ended up, uh, Kurt Esser was like the main guy in my class on the East Coast. He tripled at um, some race in the East Coast. He was the first one to triple. This is just from, from what I've heard. Second, uh, he came. He came out to Azusa, which was my local track, Azusa MBL, um, and I ended up tripling uh, there. I, I, I think that's what he means. If he's right. meaning the quadruple, I was a ten-year-old kid. You know, uh, apparently I was the first one to quadruple. Or the one uh, they they started doing trophy dashes back then. So all the winners of of, of year two, like I think it might have been like eleven or twelve or. So it's like 11 and 12 year old, 13, 14 year old. So the winners of cruisers, opens, and class all go into this trophy dash, including girls, and you race all the winners together. So I ended up, I ended up quadrupling, winning class, open, cruiser, and trophy dash. And uh, just a side note on that one, I, I uh, ended up having a broken wrist that that weekend. And you still did that? I couldn't that. even jump. I couldn't even jump anything. I, uh, I remember having to tape. Um, having to tape up my wrist for every moto like super tight and I just would have to launch because I couldn't pull up so I had to just launch off of jumps oh wow so, and yeah it was Mucho uh, Jones uh, said Fremont is, no, Mucho Jones he was now I know Mucho I've seen him at the races um, his daughter races um, he was your teammate on Bandita right yeah yeah he was actually uh, he was my teammate on Bandita we uh we traveled a lot together as the kids and he, he, he fell out of it for a long time. I hadn't seen him for a long time. And then I, I uh, caught up with him on social media, obviously. And you know, his, his daughter's uh, mm-hmm. pretty good. At, so yeah, he's a nice guy. I always say, says hi when I see him and stuff. And uh, yeah, see him. Yeah, he's pretty good. Cool. Cool. Another one here from uh, Mr. Hill. I got a, it's a good, good question. So second question from Greg Hill, he goes, how do you hand, how did you handle being on the team and roommates with the Jackal, the ultimate redneck? <laughs> oh my god so well this to cut this one short would be impossible because that would be a podcast on its own the jackal <laughs> so as you know that uh, i don't know if you were familiar when the jackal started to get really good um he would drive to the races with his wife and they would just stay in the room and watch movies all night and then he'd come to the race all mad and he would He'd beat people by just complete anger, right? <laughs> he never he never wanted to do anything. He never wanted to talk to anybody. He would shut himself off, and that's how he, you know, that's how that was his switch, mm-hmm. right? His switch was if I don't talk to anyone and don't get to know anybody, I don't have to be nice to anyone, and I can just demolish them on the track. Right. <laughs> so you know, obviously, I'm complete opposite. I want to goof around. Right. I want to have fun. Right. So they put us together, right? And we got a room together. And yeah. I gotta try to. I gotta try to get this guy to come out of his shell, which I, I believe I did, and he'll probably attest to it. 
I was able to get John out of his shell and he, you know, began to have some fun. You got to see him smile. You got to see who, who truly was. Um, so at that point, uh, I think I did my job. Uh, maybe I even got to, um, give everyone opportunity to see who, who, who he was as a person, which, yeah, he was a great guy. He was always down to help, you know, John would, you know, even, even, even if he had a, had a race come up, he would work on your bike till the very end till he could anymore and get up there with dirty hands, all sweaty because he, he, he was truly wanted to help people. So, uh, he was, a, he was actually a really good teammate to be with once you broke him out of his, his routine of, you know, he did some weird stuff. Like I think Hill's, you know, wanting, you know, more about this stuff. He would sleep in the closet and you know, it was dark and he would ride to the track in his helmet and goggles. Smoking, you know, he didn't want to go in a rental car. You know, there's a lot of weird stuff that he, he would do, but you know, that was, that was what he did. And, uh, you, you know, he just took it as, you know, we used to laugh it off, and he, he, he was good at, at taking it. Uh, you know, people were ragging him. He was good at accepting it, and uh-huh. he knew it was weird. But, right. So. All right, another one here. I guess it's just a shout-out from Jesse Vargas, uh, Zusa. Maybe did you live by Jesse, lives by you? Yeah, he's, he's been there, yeah. Okay, he's got one, one here from uh, Blast from the Past, uh, NBL guy Brian Colgrove. Um, rode for uh, Cyclecraft. I remember Brian when he came out to uh, Norway, and I see him on social media a little bit. So anyway, what's your favorite nickname? And uh, if you could do anything again, what uh, what would it be? I guess more related to your career. Um, favorite nickname. Well, uh, my best nickname I felt was my first one, um, which was given to me by um, Linda Dorsey, um, was Master Matt, because um, Linda grew up in. Uh, Dorsey's grew up in the uh, area, just like in the San Gabriel Valley, just like me. So I used to see them all at Monrovia. She used to announce here and there. So she knew, she saw me growing up. So I think uh, at a young age, she she um, she made that up for me. And it stuck with me for a long time. Um, so it was, it was a good, it was a good nickname. I loved it. Mm-hmm. And then second question was, uh, what would I change? Well, we talked about it. I think I would have stayed on free agent. Um, and put the move I on thought, thunder. Think, yeah, oh yeah, that would have been a, that's another one that I would have. Uh, I think I should have uh, hit thunder a little harder. That, that would have been another one I would have changed. That, that could have, you know, changed a lot for me. But maybe you you get your thunder showdown again uh, for Hall of Fame. You know, you and thunder. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> All right, another one here. So a couple more shout outs. Neil Armstrong. Um, one here from Mad Eighty from England. Um, two parts he says first does he know he has a darren o'neill look-alike well 80 i get it but matt's not going to get it i don't think matt knows darren yeah, o'neill uh but you do kind of look like a, a former english pro a guy i raced with nice guy darren o'neill so if darren's listening hi darren um and he says what do you think was your best days in bmx and uh you kind of spoke about that as well but who do you think we ask everybody this one who do you think is the uh the goat and the goatess so man and woman goats and goatess i guess uh Okay, so let me see. Well, for for me, um, and I'm only going based on my career. You know, who, you know what I've seen from 1980 to 2001. 
my goat is uh, obviously uh, Ellis is mm-hmm. one of the top guys. Um, he won all the titles. Um, I think um, female goat. Oh, jeez. I don't. That would be. Um, Oh, man. How many titles does Sherry Owen win? Uh, before, I mean, I know who she is, but she's before my time. I know a lot. <laughs> she uh, she would be my go test, and that's just because I used to race her, and she used to beat me. Oh, my like, God. Yeah. <laughs> she was one of the girls, literally one of the girls that raced open, right? And right. She would, she would beat the guys. I mean, and, and not just just any guy she'd be guys that were competing in their class right so right. you'd go to a regular national and you were thinking you're a badass and you have this girl on skyway and you're you know you know who she is but you're thinking i'm gonna beat this. there's no way i'm not gonna beat her and she, she held her own a lot um back when i was a kid obviously she you know got into other things and i don't i don't know how successful her her pro, I can't remember. I know she's won a bunch of titles, but I would think she would be my go-test. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously when you say go, there's so many options that you can go with, but based on titles alone, uh, I think Gary's won pretty much all of them mm-hmm. multiple times, I, w- I would think. Um, so, But we also have Pistol Pete, who is also a go, you know, we have Pistol Pete. We had, uh, you know, Christoph. We won everything um, a little bit later on, obviously, but he ended up winning it all. Um, and I still had Stumphauser when I was still racing. He ended up doing really well for himself. Um, Bubba Harris uh, was just coming on when I was leaving. He ended up winning the crap ton. Kyle Bennett, um, Another big, big name that won a lot of titles um, deserves uh, recognition of being one of the top guys. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a there's just a ton of them, and you know that's that would be an, that's going to be an argument no matter who you are and what you say. Um, so absolutely. Um, some more of these we've t- we've touched on some of these questions, so I'll just name check some of these people because uh, we've already kind of spoke about some stuff. So we've got Angel. From Columbia, my um, old friend Angel, he asks about clips. Angel, we're not we're not getting into the clip debate. That's another podcast. But big shout out to you. Nice to see you uh, on here and listening to the podcast. Uh, Christopher Torrance, uh, he talked a little bit about the football that you already kind of said when you took a break. Um, yeah. Colin Styles, the style man, craziest thing that happened post Christmas classic party. Any any after party <laughs> good stories or? Well, I, I'm pretty sure he's referring to the riot. Uh, went outside of uh, uh, Columbus <laughs> bar that uh, I think that's wild man. Uh, I'm sure he, I'm sure he's going right for that. No, I think it was someone got kicked out of the bar and uh, someone wanted it. Someone wanted back in and the bouncer started fighting with a couple of the guys and so all I all I can tell you is in the middle of the street in Columbus it's it's cold you know 50, 50 <laughs> degrees out and there's there's groups of people just just smacking each other like you're looking <laughs> i'm looking there's a group over there bmxers and there's a group over there bmxers and, and bouncers and people from the bar and i'm just thinking this is just dumb right because this is like a sunday night after we're just trying to have some fun and it was 
I think that's what he's referring to. But yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. I'm really shocked that no one went to jail that night. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was bad bad deal. All right, um, we got a shout out here from uh, Reynolds, and actually, he's, he's text us during he texted me during the podcast. So I'm hoping to get Reynolds on. We've been trying to line one up for a while now, so hopefully we'll get Reynolds. Oh yeah, ones. he de- he deserves to be on that character. character sure. Yeah, no, I've been trying trying to trying to get it. Um, so anyway, he texts a quick question. He says, "Ask Hayden if he still has his mini disc player. He's still mad at him for it. So you stole his <laughs> mini disc player." Dude, this guy. So we go to Japan, and Reynolds is all you know. He's all high tech, right? He's up to the. He's all up to the new gadgets. They right. have these mini discs that he talked me into he's like hey this is going to be the future we're going to buy these mini disc players and this is what we're going to be listening to our music on for years right so we buy these mini disc players i, I can't remember how much it was but it was, you know had to be a couple hundred dollars we go and we try to look for mini discs right he says these mini disc players are going to be where it's going to be at but he didn't he re, he didn't mention that he can't find music on mini discs right he the only thing you can find is like Boston's greatest hits or Kansas or you're not getting all the new up to date, you know, music in these mini discs. So we're traveling home with our new mini disc and my headphones and I gotta listen to to, to the best of Boston, right? <laughs> I don't want I, I don't even like Boston, right? So I gotta on this eleven hour flight I gotta listen to this crap that he made me buy and uh you know, you get home you can't buy mini discs because you can only get them in Japan, <laughs> and no one has them. You can't go to a uh, you know a record store and say, "Hey, can I get a mini disc?" So it was just a waste. We didn't have Google then. We didn't have all, any of this crap. So this, this mini disc was a waste of money, and I gave him grief forever because he's the one that had to have it. Right. So uh, that's what he's talking about. Classic. Another one, a uh, good one here from uh, Rusty Dial. He says, uh, whose seat pole was longer, you or Todd Slavic? Oh, sure, Todd Slavic. <laughs> Mine was long, but Slavic's was beyond long. It was crazy. Cool. So another shout-out here from uh, Kevin Tomko, uh, Dave Noswap, who is the uh, the ultimate 90s collector. Anybody that likes the 90s stuff, I advise you to uh, yeah follow Dave, man. He's just got the... BMX museum at his house, and uh, yeah, he's got everything. He's got absolutely everything and more. And he's uh, great when there's any, any new school debates. He's definitely one to uh, give you a little chuckle <laughs> with his comments. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, sure. shout out to Dave, um, Sean Collins. Uh, just reading it here. I think it's more just of a high. He's in Australia. I know Sean's an Aussie guy. That's going to be an awesome podcast. Look forward to the interview. And nice. So he listened to our thing that we did the grounds. Mucho Jones, we already uh, shouted out him. Okay, here's one from the Wild Man. Todd Lyons, uh, why did you leave the Wild Man in Mexico, 1992? So you guys were down there partying, right? And you just left him, just over it. Yeah, yeah. Does does the Wild Man still call himself in third person? Does the Wild Man? Yes, he does. Yes, yes. You, you still see him, right? Uh, here and there, yeah. <laughs> He still calls himself in third person, the Wild Man. Oh yes, yes. Well, I, I think I answered this a little bit on the. Uh, I, so I go to me and Wildman think it's a great idea to drive to Rosarito, which we do. We go, we have fun. I have to be somewhere the next day, and I tell him, "Hey, we're leaving at five, right?" But you know, Wildman, he, the party's going into the wee hours of the night. He's got chicks on each end, and he's you know probably throwing out stickers. I don't know what he's doing, but he's he's holding court in the club. And I I, I tell him many times, 
dude, we're leaving. If you're not there in the morning, I'm leaving without you because I got something to do. He's like, no. And he fails to mention this in the, in the post, but he says, hey, don't worry. I'll get a ride. I'll find a ride. That's exactly what he told me. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, five yeah. o'clock, we're leaving. Five o'clock, he's still not in the room, right? Because we room together. He doesn't come in the room. Until I, I'm, I left, so I hear stories that he comes back at like 8 o'clock and it's all pissing me because I didn't wait around for him. <laughs> he told me, it, at that point, Rosarito wasn't like, you know, Mexico wasn't as bad. You you could go to Mexico and there's people there you could hang out with and they could, they'll could they bring you back. He makes it sound like I left him in a Mexican jail, you know, with no, with no money and nothing. He he knew what he was doing. He, he had some broads and he, he wanted to stick with those girls, so I left. <laughs> Classic, classic wild man. Um, just more shout outs, Jason Wharton, your old teammate there on Diamondback. Uh, and I saw Jason a few weeks ago at um, Phoenix. Nice to see him. Uh, yeah, Sean, Sean Duncan, hippie Sean. I know he listens to all the podcasts and is a big Hayden fan as well. So um, yeah. shout, shout out. Hey, Sean. Uh, Eric Block. Uh, hitting is GF. I'm not sure about that. Whatever that is. Um, <laughs> who's Eric Block? Do you know who he is? Uh, I think he uh, – is, is that part of the – Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's Okay, that's it. Yes, yes. He's talking about I, Todd Lyons. I, I, I even said it. Yeah, he hits on everyone's girlfriend. The wild man was known for that. Um, yeah. the, the ultimate cock blocker in BMX in the 90s. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay, so I'm just kind of keep going down. Uh, Barry Smith. I think he's English. Okay, this is a good one from uh, my good friend, Paul Roberts, Grotbags. He says, how was it to be – we talked about GHP, but it's still a good question. How was it be to be on GHP with uh, Greg and Charlie Williams? Oh, uh, well, the first time I got on GHP, like I said, it was one of the very first factory um, – good factory rides I had um, and I didn't really know Charlie Williams I just knew he was kind of some this, this crazy guy who had a reputation you know um, his hair was always spiky right, he was like kind of like punk rock style uh, but when I room when I started to get done with super cool guy uh, he had one kind of weird not weird but kind of fun thing now as a kid now I think back that he used to do he used to go into motel rooms right we go to motel rooms and he would rearrange everything right he'd make like he put the beds up on the table with the, you know so you have like a bunk bed and then you know you, the, the room was completely torn apart and changed to some weird configuration like he wanted it and that was kind of fun thing that he had he would do he was super fast guy man he was probably i saw him rip his i think it was a flat turn and um, Memphis, Tennessee, they had this off-camera flat turn. I watched him rip his tire as he was twerking around this turn. His tire just ripped right off his freaking rim. It was crazy. Yeah, I never saw him race. He was before – I saw him on a video, but I never, it was before my time. He had already yeah. quit by the time I got here, but I always saw him in the mags. It always looks – he was on Hutch, obviously, as well, wasn't he? So always looked the part. Yeah, super cool. smooth. All right, so we got uh, Sean Smith, all-time favorite track, best weekend of racing. Uh, um, well, obviously the big one, you know, South Park. Everyone picks that. I, I, I really enjoyed uh, Nashville, uh, the big long first straightaway with big doubles at the end. Um, had some doubles in the corners. I really liked that. Um, also liked uh, Tanglewood, North Carolina. I had a really nice. 
red clay dirt track um what other track i used to enjoy phoenix obviously black mountain was a very very fun track to race uh that's pretty much yeah outdoor track obviously my, my favorite um my favorite uh, is the more East Coast BL styles that have been there for, you know, years and years and years. Um, those are the funnest ones for me. Best weekend? Best weekend? Yeah, best. Um... Oh, oh, man. Um, I would probably say, man, well, as a pro, it'd probably be that um, the weekend I raced um, – where I beat Kristoff at uh, on balance. What was that Burbank? No, yeah, uh, but the one I posted today. Yeah, yeah, Burbank. Yeah, ninety four. That's Burbank. Yeah, I did. I did really good that weekend. That was a, that was a good weekend for me as a pro. Um, that was my best weekend as a pro. And then I'd say uh, I couldn't even remember what my best weekend as an amateur would be. Probably the quadruple uh, at Fremont when I was a kid. When I was little. Nice. All right, I guess Kevin Tomko, he asked that kind of same question, so he's answered that for Kevin. He actually just said on Instagram as well, and he says, ask him about the birthday message I squeezed in with all his nicknames in one voicemail. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't... Uh, what's to know about my nicknames? Or? Uh, he just says, ask him about the birthday message I squeezed in with all his nicknames in one voicemail. Oh, he just, yeah, he just threw off. Basically, I would always uh, come up with these goofy nicknames, you know, because uh, at one point I thought it would be funny. I don't know what race I was at, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I think I might have been with Reynolds, might have even been with Tomko. I was like, I'm going to change my nickname. Let's see if I, I'm going to see if they'll, if they'll, if they'll do it for me. <laughs> so I, we went up to Redmond, right? And uh, it might have been in like uh, Wichita or something. I'm like, hey. I don't know if they did. They're like, hey, just just to know, just to let you know that uh, Hayden changed his nickname. It's, uh, it's now going to be the Diesel. I, <laughs> I didn't think. It, I thought it was going to be just some stupid, funny thing, but it took off. And uh, so uh, after that point, it was like, you know, every couple months or a year, I come up with another nickname, and I, it would just be an inside joke. Okay, well, this this year I'm going to be, you know, the ultimate Caucasian, or right. this year I'm going to be the people's champ or um, when, when I was in Japan, I was a Japanese assassin. I remember you know, that just, one. Just silly, stupid stuff. I mean, it was just joke, you know, being dumb. Right. Um, Tomko was part of that. So he, he knew. Good stuff. We've got another one here from uh, Alan Foster. So he says, um, I guess you've, you've touched on it already a little bit, but a uh, quick story on rooming with Purse, which you've kind of said, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I got uh, well, I got one other. This will be quick. So, World Championships um, in uh, in uh, Waterford Oaks. So, the American World Championships. Jack was on my team. He obviously is one of the top guys. He thinks he, he you know obviously thinks he's going to win. He wants to win. Um, I don't think he makes it out of uh, either semi or quarter and. He refuses to go with us in the car, the rental car home. He's not. He's not going to go home. He's going to ride. You know, this is ten miles, right? He's going to ride home in full gear, in his goggles, with his clips. I've heard this so many times. Yeah. I don't even know. And he rode all the way back. 
So we're driving down the road, me, Harry, and Greg, you know, laughing at what is happening. And we're seeing John as he's right along this road, and we blow by him, and we're just honking at him, and he doesn't even look at us. He's just stone-faced, pissed off. He can't believe he didn't win the title, and he didn't want to talk to anybody yet. That's how John was, man. It was he was a he was a character for sure. <laughs> Jason Chang, he says, was there a rivalry or a big rivalry between uh, free agent and boss? Uh, no, I mean there we got a lot of kids. Uh, uh, I, I know what he's referring to. Back then, uh, boss was a big team. Free agent was a big team. We had um, kids in the same class, uh, always battling each other. Like for, for myself, I always had to race. Um, Darwin Griffin and um, Cecil Johns. And uh, so they were always at the mains when I was in the mains. And, yeah, we would bump because we were always going for team titles. But other than that, um, it was I didn't think it was that big of a deal. But people made it out as a big deal because there was, you know, a lot of hitting, bumping going on. But that's how it was back then. Mm-hmm. You, you bumped into people. That's, that's how you That's how you won. Right, you got some shout outs from, uh, we already mentioned his name, but your former um, teammate and free agent, Todd Slavic. We got one here from uh, Eric Carter, one of your big rivals. Um, spoke Uh-oh. about him numerous times. He says, Do you remember the cornfield in Pennsylvania, Bumps and Berms? That's the name of that track there, because I've raced there as well, right? Oh, uh, yeah. So you remember that there's a big hill that goes down, right? Yes, yes, from downhill. Back, yeah, go down this windy hill. Um, and at the bottom of this hill is just a huge open field, open cornfields, right? It's, I remember, yeah. You, know, you come down to it, you come down to a dead end and you got to make a right or left and straight is the cornfield, huge cornfield. So we, um, I should say not, I'm not going to say me, <laughs> certain pros, um, we used to have rental cars, right? We'd have rental cars and we would have some fun in these rental cars. So we stop at the bottom of this hill and you hear this, this screeching brakes of, of a rental car coming down the hill, like long, like all the way down the hill, you can hear it, right? Just the, the squeals of tires, just rubbing raw down this hill. And uh, Mikey and I don't know, I can't, I don't know who was with him. Might have been Carter. Carter might have been with me, or uh, Mikey comes down and both of his tires are flat. Right, he he blew them both out down this e brake down this hill. So he needs tire. He gets a spare. He uses spare our spare tire. He takes the tire from his car. So now he's got two two uh, spare tires uh, on his car. Well, the you know the field is still right there. So when you take off. You think that the fields, you think that the corn corn is only three feet high. Well, come to find out, it's another four feet drop because the corn is like six feet tall, correct? So you don't see the drop, and when you go into the field real quick, it drops into this, and now you're in this crevice. You know, this this you you can't get out of it, right? right. You're like, holy crap! How do we, how do you get out of this field now at this point? And at this point, you're like, oh, my God. So you have to go. We, we had to find an out, driving this cornfield to get out of this, um, this pasture. 
and we end up finding that out, and I think that's what it means. We we end up uh, getting out finally, but uh, that was a rental car fiasco that happened. Um, bumps and br- uh, they they happen all over. Right, we're not the only ones. All right, Anthony Howie, where I guess you touched on those well, rental car derby. Uh, Mike Hammond uh, says one, and we talked about the nicknames a little bit. He says, why did he yeah. give himself the new nickname uh, in South Park, the Diesel? <laughs> Why did you decide to change? Yeah, that, was, that was just a joke, and it, I, I don't know if it was. I can't. I don't think it was South Park. It was. It was meant to be a joke, but it it actually took off, and that ended up being my nickname. Yeah, no, you <laughs> did. Yeah, for for a while. So. All right, Todd Lines again. Does does did cruise account? Because there's a big joke about that now. You know, does cruise account? Yeah, I mean, for for me, uh, I be, I believe personally myself, it's a class that you can enter um, and it doesn't matter who's in it or, or uh, what race it is. If, if you win it, uh, to me, it's win. Um, as far as, as you're talking about uh, what, what was going on back when, where it's not a title or it's not. Well, a- I guess it's, it's when purse came on online, uh, uh, probably about a year ago now on, 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 my Facebook and uh, kind of a little attack at me and Jason and then I think he kind of said something about Jason you know uh, Jason obviously won the 93 worlds in uh, elite cruiser and um, yeah you know and, and yeah, I mean, kind of said it doesn't count you know so um, yeah it, to me it's a title um, it, it's a title if 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 someone doesn't want to race cruiser that's that's their prerogative but if, if other people want to race it and there's a title online it's it's a legitimate to me it's a legitimate title yeah um, that's yep. just how I feels cruiser counts and wild man it definitely counts yep. for you cuz you you still count that uh, 87 double orlando yep. double so um, all right another one here from uh, hippie Sean Sean Duncan he goes where the hell is Brett Biado oh Elijah, yeah, um, I, to be honest with you, I've lost contact with him. I haven't uh, heard from him in years, so yeah, I haven't seen him. So I don't know where he's at. Bill Prince, uh, Mr. Getaware, he says, who gave you the nickname Shoulders? Man, he has so many nicknames. Yeah, I don't I don't know who did that. I guess it's probably, maybe, even... maybe Bill did, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's because, of, you know, back, in, back when I was younger, I used to really roll my shoulders. That was... Um, what I did, so I was making I would always uh, know that it was me racing if my shoulders were going. I guess. Yeah, you definitely had the, sh- the shoulder things. We've got one here from Joe Doherty, and uh, for those that might not have listened, uh, Joe Doherty does a podcast as well. It's called uh, the BMX in Our Blood. He's just done three really good ones: one with Robbie Morales, uh, Ronnie Bonner, and um, he's done a whole bunch of really good ones. So, uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, definitely worth. The, uh, I'm going to pull that. I just listened to one. There was Ronnie Bonner, which I just listened to, uh, Robbie Morales, and uh, the other big hitter. Oh, John Paul Rogers. Um, so he just did oh, John, okay. another one with John Paul. So definitely check it out. It's called the BMX uh, in our blood. And uh, it's more East Coasty and a lot of trailsy kind of stuff as well. But some great, great stuff. A lot of the uh, New York guys and stuff. So some really good stories. And uh, yeah, he's banging them out. So uh, check it out for uh, everybody that likes podcasts. Yeah, so good job, Joe. A really nice guy as well. Um, so I'm just scrolling. I think we're coming toward the ends of these. Here's one from my good buddy, Robert Hyde, Bobby Hyde. He says, uh, who was your biggest 
opponent during your career? Uh, Eric Carter is suggesting. Yeah, I would assume um, Eric is an amateur for sure. He was, um, you know, he grew up in the same same area as me, so I used to see him all the time. We got sponsored pretty much same time, so we would always be at the same races together. Um, he by far was probably one of my biggest ones. Um, and I, as when I turn pro, there's no real competitor. It's, it's everybody is anyone on the gate at that point is, um, your competitor. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess I didn't even ask Joe Doherty's uh, question and it was, we'll leave this as the last question. Then he says, which pro did you trust the most? Uh, if he was in fourth place in the semi, so if you look behind you, fifth place, uh, who would you like to be there? And maybe, maybe give oh, us like who, who wouldn't you like to have behind you there? Um, well, who I wouldn't like to have behind me would be like um, Carter, uh, Foster, either one of the Foster brothers. Right, yeah, that's a good one. The Wild Man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Wild Man. He was never that close to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You'll like that. Uh, maybe Chuck T. Chuck T. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want him in fifth. You know, fourth. It, you know, when you're in fourth, uh, you really don't want anyone close right. to fifth. But uh, I would think like guys that you know I was really good friends with. I would expect them not to pit me for you know, like Reynolds or right. You know, I, I wouldn't think you know if I had Reynolds behind me. Obviously, he wants to get in, but he's going to pass me. You know, and I think even Carter, Carter, you know, you know, there's not a lot, a lot of guys that would pimp you for fourth. But, you mean know, they 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 might come in hard, but they're not going to just slam you. Especially, and I'm just going from what my experience. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in pro class, obviously guys are trying to get in the main, but um, there there's not too many guys that would have just flat out slammed you. They're going to pass you um, either uh, by. Um, finesse or they're going to come in and bump you a little bit but if you leave if you leave the door open enough for someone to bump you it's kind of like your fault um but yeah there there are certain guys back there they're like oh god i'm got to be prepared for you know some sort of move here um (laughs) so i always tried my hardest if i was always in fourth i would always try to go to third right Um, I, I i never wanted to be in fourth so i the guy in third would always have to watch out for me because I, you know, I was going to try to cut into a corner to get that at least that buffer. Um, you know, if I had if I ended up balling him up, then that was just try to it's going to be, you know, paid. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. All right, Matt, let's wrap it up. We've been going two hours. It was definitely great, uh, great chatting with you and going down memory lane and yeah, a lot of stuff before me. So I'm always interested in those early uh, 80s stuff especially in the u.s all the stuff i read about so it was uh, cool to, to listen to some of those stories um final words anything you want to uh, say shout outs or uh, anything not i just want to uh, thank you for the opportunity it was it was fun i mean i, I was kind of nervous about this uh just because it's been so long um and my memory is not as uh, sharp as it used to be but um yeah i mean i had a, had a great time and uh, hopefully um uh, it's good to hear uh, from some of these people that uh, are going to be listening. Um, I appreciate uh, everything that you're doing right now. You're, you're keeping it, uh, you're still keeping it pretty, pretty uh, positive for all these kids. I, uh, I, I still follow you guys on social media. I uh, love what you're doing with everybody and uh, you're keeping these kids, uh, you know, you give them an opportunity and that's what 
anyone that's all anyone can ask for so um i'm sure i'll see you around i'm i'm, I'm not going to be completely out of it uh so you guys might see me at the races here and there um cool. i do still go i still go out to whittier um every so often so no no no, no thoughts of joining the uh wheelie movement with Wildman. Oh, no, no. And I, you know, I have an idea. This could be another podcast, but EBA <laughs> needs, needs to get together with the wild man and get those 100,000 kids that he's got roaming the streets of wherever they're coming from. Come on a track, have wheelie races, right? Right. Who wouldn't want to see a bunch of dudes, who wouldn't want to see a bunch of dudes wheeling and bumping each other to the finish line? Right. That's a good idea. Yeah, you, know, you, you got a bunch of, uh, you got a bunch of uh, tracks that can't get people to come. It's, here you go. You got a whole nother uh, community of wheelie guys. Option. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks, Matt. It was definitely uh, it was it was good talking. I appreciate it. I'm sure we'll uh, catch up again soon, and uh, we'll get another one of these down the road. I'm sure as we continue to keep trying to bang these things out. Uh, if anybody wants to listen to this on iTunes, high low the BMX podcast. I post all this stuff on BMXWeekly.com, and uh, Bart Fat BMX always posts our stuff up as well. So. Cheers, Matt, and uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you all next time. See ya. All right. Thank you.